And good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He's Griffin. Orioles winners once again last night. Nice thing when they decide to score runs in the uh, series openers. I, and I'm, I'm no expert, but I would just suggest maybe scoring runs in the next two games as well. That would be good. Um, as opposed to maybe what they did in the next two games against Tampa. I'm hoping that they learn from that mistake and that, that will uh, be spread out. But, boy, it was a nice night last night. We'll talk about that this morning, talk about the Orioles in general on a Tuesday edition of the program. Coming up in a few minutes, our buddy Jake Mintz, you know him from Cespedes Family Barbecue, now with Fox Sports. He was very emotional about the Orioles dealing away Trey Mancini. We're going to check in with him now a couple weeks removed. I guess he was away. See if maybe he's he's in a better place with the Orioles having played better since that point. Uh, later on in the program, Rex Hoggard from the Golf Channel is going to join us. Uh, news this morning, BMW Championships coming back to Baltimore, coming back to Caves Valley in 2025. And I'd like to hope by the 2025, this whole golf thing has been figured out. <laughs> Whatever's going to happen, it's, it's, it's happened. It's been figured out, and uh, everybody's playing. All the golfers are a part of it. But um, it was an amazing event. I'm not, you know me, I don't, I'm not a golf person at all, but I went out last year with my father, sat on the 16th green, the 16th hole, I think it was. Um, it was a mob scene. It was incredible. It ended up being great theater as there was the uh, duel between uh, Patrick Cantley and Bryson DeChambeau that went into overtime on Sunday. We'll talk to Rex Hoggart about that. Also, we'll of course, talk about all of the other things um, both on the course and away. Will Zalatoris playing well. Tony Finau's been playing quite well. See, I know things about golf. Um, but, of course, the bigger story. Apparently, there's there was a, some reports last night about like an all-hands-on-deck meeting uh, involving the players today at the BMW that, that Tiger Woods was going to fly in to be a part of just because, I don't know, he's – Basically, the only thing that matters in the entire sport. I, I I don't really understand what that's all about, but I'll ask Rex, and he can explain to us whether or not it really matters. So uh, that's coming up. Of course, it's also Tuesday. Every Tuesday, Simply the Bets at 11.40 a.m., brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. We'll do that today. On Thursday, we'll have Weekend at Bookies again. Simply the Bets, Weekend at Bookies, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. So all that coming up today. Now, with that all being said, let's go back to last night. Let's go back to the Orioles winning a game. Let's go back to Ryan Mountcastle continuing to murder the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's go back to the Orioles apparently having Yusei Kikuchi's numbers. Let's go back to Cobb Radish needing to be a little bit better than he was last night, but getting away with it. The disappointing part is, like, in moments – the first four outs of the game. I mean, after he got the first, he struck out the first batter of the second inning. I was ready to tweet something about, man, this Kyle Bradish. This Kyle Bradish is a dude. And then <laughs> it all kind of fell apart. They got out of that inning only allowing two, which was a big deal because they protected the lead, and it felt like um, emotionally, mentally, whatever it was, it was a big deal just to hold on to the lead. So that was a good thing. But Kyle Bradish... They're in good shape because the Orioles' bullpen is so good. And you saw that again last night. Brian, We don't even talk about Brian Baker. We talk about the strength of the Orioles' bullpen. Brian Baker's been excellent. 
we talk about, of course, you know, Dylan Tate and CNL Perez and Felix Batista. And earlier in the year, we talked about Jorge Lopez, but we also talked about Keegan Aiken. We Brian Baker barely gets mentioned, and he's been excellent. But as was pointed out by a few people, I know we talked about it yesterday with Mike Bordick and with Jeremy Kahn, you've asked a lot of this bullpen this season. Now, can, you know... D.L. Hall being thrown into the bullpen here in a couple weeks perhaps help solve that problem? Perhaps. Could Grayson Rodriguez make a dramatic return and maybe be an option out of the bullpen in in September to help you out as well? Perhaps. But you're asking a lot with no clear answer for how the starting pitching can be any better. Bradish was maybe the guy that you could hope could sort of find himself as the season went on, get comfortable, and maybe take a step up, that doesn't appear to be the case. And I'm not writing off Kyle Bradish as a part of the future. This is too small a sample size for too young a player. I don't feel strongly about Kyle Bradish, but he definitely has a chance to be a part of this moving forward. And I think right now I would assume that he's a part of the rotation next season, although it'd be nice if they went out and did enough that they didn't need to have Kyle Bradish be a part of the rotation. It'd be nice if the three guys who we knew were a part of the rotation next year were then surrounded by pitchers the Orioles went out and signed. It'd be nice if the rotation next year was John Means, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, Carlos Rodon, and insert name here. Jordan Lyles. Yes, Jordan Lyles could still be back to be a part of it, but that would not... Ideally, even better than that. Kyle Bradish could absolutely be a part of things moving forward, but there's just nothing that we're seeing that suggests he can consistently solve the puzzle for you now. The question really is, at some point, the Orioles just acknowledge their bullpenning, right? Like, do you just acknowledge that, look, this is what we are. You've been doing it with Austin Voth for some time. And if that's the case, it's almost weird that you wouldn't just do it with D.L. Hall. Like, just say, look, we're going to have six starting pitchers because what we're really saying is we know these guys aren't going six innings. We know these guys aren't going five innings. They're going as long as we can. We're using as many arms as we can possibly use the rest of the way, and so be it. And if Spencer Watkins has to move into the bullpen for uh, a day... Then we'll do that, and then he can start another time. Like I, You're here now. You've gotten to this point. Whatever the plans were, this is where you are. You should be trying to make it work. And the starting pitching, for as heroic as it's been, is still the thing that's most likely to hold you back. I'm not trying to say the offense is exceptional, although they were last night. But for the most part, the starting pitching is still the most likely thing that's going to hold you back. So maybe you just kind of acknowledge it. Maybe you look at matchups. You look at an opposing lineup. You make decisions based on who you want a team to put at the top of the lineup for an opener that you're putting out there. You kind of embrace what the Rays have done and said, we'll be like them a little bit just to get through this until we have a place where we're more confident in our rotation. And I'm not saying that anybody in particular 
has been so bad they have to be kicked out of the rotation. It's just that none of them are so good that you need them to be out there for six innings every fifth day. Kyle Bradish couldn't get through five last night. Smartly, Brandon Hyde didn't force it. Understood that the game could turn in that moment, even though they had a sizable lead at that point. Went and got Brian Baker, who bailed him out. And the bullpen did the work the rest of the way as the Orioles uh, held on and won the first, I didn't really held on, they won it comfortably, game one of the series against the Blue Jays. But in that, as rested as the bullpen was, or the real bullpen was coming into last night, now you had to use your bullpen. And now that can have an impact on what happens for the next couple of games. So I don't know if maybe there shouldn't be a better strategy of here are the guys we're using and there being maybe one more pitcher on this roster whose job it is to specifically get innings, a Matt Harvey type, a Bruce Zimmerman type. To just say, hey, we know. We know what we've got. We know we've got a bunch of pitchers that aren't really good enough to be starting pitchers. But we're going to try to get through it. In the meantime, obviously, nice to see the bats come alive. Jorge Mateo continues to look like an absolute rock star. And this goes back to the question that I asked Mike Bordick and Jeremy Connor. I got two very different answers from those two guys yesterday about Jorge Mateo. And I, I've done this a couple times this season, and I meant to put it up on Twitter, and I, I'll try to do that in a minute, which is how do we talk to our kids about Jorge Mateo? It's the question that I always like to ask because I think you understand what it is that we're saying. Jorge Mateo has been so much fun to watch all season long because he's been an exceptional defender, and he's been a, a, a speed demon on the bases unlike anything we've seen in a very long time. It's been incredibly fun to watch Jorge Mateo. But is Jorge Mateo a centerpiece guy? A guy that's saying, hey, look, the hell with Gunnar Henderson, the hell with Jordan Westberg, the hell with Joey Ortiz. You've got your shortstop for the next five years, if not longer. He's here already. What are you doing? What are you talking about all these other guys for? You've got your guy. His bat has come to life significantly in the second half of the season, but we still can't pretend like he's a 270-280 hitter in, until he were to prove that. He's been a hell of a hitter in a small sample size. And this goes back to the similar questions we asked about your Ramon Urias. Remember a couple weeks ago, we were like, well, you can't trade Ramon Urias. He's carrying you offensively right now. Well, what happened to that? Remember, in the beginning of the year, we were talking about Austin Hayes, like he could be this team's Nick Markakis for some time. Which isn't to say Austin Hayes can't, it hasn't still been a helpful piece or couldn't still be a player that could be here for some time. But clearly, the way we were feeling about him has not necessarily sustained for the entirety of the season. We've done this. It's really the story of the 2022 Orioles, right? Like, the story of the 2022 Orioles has been no one has really been that good from start to finish. You could argue their most consistent player is Anthony Santander, who's quietly had a productive season. He's not had the weeks, necessarily, that some of these other guys have had where they've been monsters. He's just quietly 
been steady and productive all throughout the year. And might end up being Orioles MVP, despite the fact that at no point have we thought that Anthony San- Anthony Anthony Anthony. This is what I do. I do that all the time when we're doing Santander. Anthony Santander has been all that great. It's just that he's sort of the guy that you look at and say, "Wow, his production's kind of it's kind of always been there. Like it it hasn't really gone away for stretches. But for the rest of this season, it's been someone for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. For Austin Hayes, it was like." eight weeks and then that's tailed off and it's been someone else even as hot as Adley Rutschman was he's cooled slightly like I mean he's still been very good obviously and nobody's we're certain that Adley Rutschman is a superstar at the moment the story is Jorge Mateo he's having his moment but is he having a moment or is he a guy Sorry, I I said that the wrong way. Is he having a moment, or is he legit? Or is he legitimately establishing himself as a piece for the future? And I ask the question in part because, once again, I don't have the answer. I don't know. I think we all know his glove is going to play. This is what we were talking about with Bordick yesterday. That thing that he did on Friday night, it's absurd. It's the type of thing you see... Remember how much we freaked out about the play that Manny Machado made when he first got called up with the pump fake and the throwback to third? And it almost defined who he was because it was about his baseball IQ. That's the type of thing. We don't think of Jorge Mateo the way we wanted to think of Manny Machado, so we're not going to compare it in that way. But that what, what Jorge Mateo did on Friday night is the type of thing that only a a player of an incredible caliber defensively is not only capable of making, but thinks to make. Both things. Both has the concept to get over, play it on the exact hop, field it in the exact way you would need to field it, and quickly get it out of your glove in a shovel motion in order to get the out at first base. It has to be perfect. That's insane. I think there's no doubt that Jorge Mateo could play that type of defensive shortstop for forever. You know what I mean. But can he be enough of a bat to warrant the spot being his when other guys are coming? It's the question we've been asking, you know, when we were sitting here talking with Adam Pohl last week, and he was raving about um, Ortiz, it's the question we've asked about Ortiz. Like, everybody's talked about it. Well, we might have a better version of that now. So is Jorge Mateo fodder for a future trade because his spot is going to be taken by a Gunnar Henderson or a Jordan Westberg or a Joey Ortiz or whoever it might be? Or do you already have your answer? Do you have your shortstop for the foreseeable future. I'd like to know that. I'd like to hear from you. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. And get into the comments as well. I'll try to check the video as the day goes on. I, I, I'm fascinated by how we talk to our kids about Jorge Mateo. Because there's no doubt he is a joy. He is a delight to watch play this game. The thing that I worry about with this group is 
are we selling out and falling in love with players who are good players but not necessarily great players? And this is the obviously the economics that Mike Elias has to do in what type of roster he wants to build for whenever the Orioles are going to be World Series contenders. Are all of them players who are good enough to be good enough but not good enough to be great to be the core of a World Series championship team? The Austin Hayes, the Anthony Santanders, the Ryan Mountcastles of the world, who, again, are all definitely Major League Baseball players. There's no question about that. And if your roster was was loaded, was top-heavy, and they were the seventh, eighth, ninth guys on your roster, you'd be overjoyed. But are they good enough to be superstars? And do you have enough of the other guys to come in to be superstars in order to keep those guys around? It's a it's an interesting scenario that presents itself. And I'm not dis- defining it elegantly necessarily. You need the in DC they needed Juan Soto. They needed Anthony Rendon. They needed Trey Turner. They needed stars. Of course, help to have a Max Scherzer as well. That would have been a that'd be nice. Steven Strasburg, that would be nice. They needed stars. They needed true game changers, difference makers. And you can marry those guys with your Ryan Zimmermans, who was, of course, more at the tail end of his career at that point. But you can marry those guys with the good players. But there have to be game changers. I I am absolutely enamored with Jorge Mateo right now. He's incredible. But is he a game changer? And if you give him shortstop for the time, for the future, do you have enough other game changers coming? Do you have true superstars on the way that the roster can be fortified by players like that? Don't know. Don't have the answer. And I I know it's something that obviously Mike Elias is thinking about when he makes the types of trades that he made, although he traded for almost exclusively pitching. He's got to think about that as they build whatever is going to be their World Series contending type of roster. Adley Rutschman looks like a superstar. Maybe Gunnar Henderson is truly a superstar. Game-changer type of player. And who knows about Colton Kowser or Heston Kerstad, someone along those lines. But they need those types of players if they're going to elevate the World Series contender, or they need to use the assets they have to trade for one of those types of players, or they need to sign one of those types of players for a lot of money. We'll talk about that. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. We're talking about the Toyota Tacoma. Man, it comes in a perfect range. Of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Let's talk about 
the Baltimore Orioles. Let's talk about what it is that we have uh, seen from this group. I know our next guest, who is a huge Orioles fan, he's never hidden from that. He was bummed about uh, the Orioles moving on from Trey Mancini like we all were, but look at look at where they are. Here they are, just a game and a half out of all of the wild card spots, which is kind of a wild spot, no pun intended, for this team to be in. Jake Mintz from Fox Sports, you know, Cespedes Family Barbecue, the whole thing. He's back with us here on GCR. What's going on, pal? How are you? I am doing wonderful. Nothing like waking up in the morning after a nice black and orange W. Yeah, it's nice for the uh, the bats to come out in these series openers. Hopefully, unlike in uh, Tampa, they're going to keep doing it for the next couple of oh. nights. Hopefully, that'll be the case. <laughs> um, Jake, let me go back, right? Because I know you wrote something in the aftermath of the trade deadline, and it was such a conflicting time for everybody here. Because, And it's funny, I just did a, a radio hit in Kansas City yesterday, and they were like, hey, man, how... How's everybody handling it? And my answer is sort of it, to be determined, right? Like, everybody's excited about what the Orioles are doing, and for the most part it feels like the fan base has been on board with Mike Elias. But, you know, you're also not guaranteed anything, and you are competing right now, and this truly was Trey Mancini that we were talking about in the mix of all of this. And I can't help it. I just I, – I am only a man. Every time Brett Phillips takes an at-bat for the Baltimore Orioles, I think to myself – why are we doing this when this could be Trey Mancini getting it at bat right now? I, I can't shake that. I can't shake it. Every time it's Nevin or Phillips yeah. for me. It just it, In my head, it just looks like Trey Mancini. I, I, I want to briefly touch on what you said with uh, Mike Elias. I think heading into this year, Elias had not earned the trust or vindication from the fan base yet. Right? The farm system had been improving. There were signs of growth, but for the most part, the team on the field at the big league level had continued to suck. Now, this season, he earned some leash. He earned some trust, and he earned some plaudits, right? Mm -hmm. Because the team has far, far surpassed anything anybody could have envisioned, and he deserves some of the credit for that, a lot of the credit for that. That being said, I think that the, the most fun year to be a fan is the first year your team is good, right? When we think back as Orioles fans, 2012 stands yep. out, yep. right? And you can never really replace the magic. It is almost like when you meet the love of your life, right? You think about that first moment. And I think that there's real value in that. All we take away as fans are the memories anyway, right? And so I think to have Mancini here from the emotional perspective for the fan base was worth more than dealing him away for uh, two pitching prospects. Now on the field, it's insulting. I think the, the Lopez deal is even more insulting from the on the field perspective because the Orioles are currently above the twins mm. in the wild card. And they're just giving a top four five closer in baseball away to a team they're competing with to not get big league pieces back. Right. Like that was the one I think that really rattled me from the competitive perspective. That's interesting. It, it, Jake, it's interesting because I have been saying for weeks that I was less bothered by the idea of trading Jorge Lopez than I was trading Trey Mancini, mostly just because of the nature of relievers, right? Like it's it's cyclical. The Orioles are very deep in the bullpen. If you could get piece, if you could get pieces that could alter this process 
for Jorge Lopez, who was obviously found money this season. Like, no one had any clue that Jorge Lopez could be this guy. I was on board with it. But the point that you just made, and to me, it's there's a secondary part of it, which is you got single-A guys back from it for him. Like, you got guys that aren't, aren't, yeah. aren't anywhere close to being able to help you when you're saying out of the other side of your mouth that I do appreciate the fact that Mike Elias is coming out and saying, look, we're spending money this offseason. We're, we're shifting into gear. But these two things, right. are, they don't, they don't, you know, they don't work. You know, like you're, it's a left hand, right hand thing that we're doing right now. You, you can't yeah. trade and for a bunch of single A guys and then say, hey, but next year we're moving into hyperdrive. Right. I, I totally agree with you. Think about how much more Brian Baker we've seen over the last two weeks since Lopez was traded mm-hmm. and how having Lopez around kind of elongated the bullpen in a way that it's not anymore. And that over the course of the next month and a half will mean something. And it's, it's not just lost value. It's value given to a competitor, right? If he was sent away to a national league team or to the Astros who, you know, are not really something Orioles people need to worry about because they're so good. That's fine. That's one thing. But we're, you know, the O's are a half game ahead of the Twins. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're helping them. I understand. Jake Mintz with us here on GCR. I, Jake, I, I guess with that being said, right, like I, the argument from some is the, the goal is to win a World Series. And even as exciting and as fun yeah. as this is, all of us, you know, can look back, not all of us, some people are just eternally optimistic, but most of us can look back and say, this team isn't winning a World Series, right? Like, even if they kept Jorge Lopez and Trey Mancini, even if they had added something at the deadline, even if they had traded for a Jose Urquidy, they had traded for a a quality Major League pitcher, that alone would not be enough for this team to be able to win a World Series. So do do you embrace what they're doing in the name of, hey, we can having fun is neat and a surprising season is cool, but the job is still to put together a world series caliber roster. And we've got to do everything in our power to find guys that can be a part of that. I respect that. I respect that mindset. If you cannot build a world series roster without the six minor league pitchers that you acquired at this deadline, it's fair. Then you weren't going to do it anyway. That's fair. I mean, you know, I, I appreciate that the mindset of we squeeze value out of everywhere. You never know what's going to be under, you know, a stone unturned, et cetera, et cetera. If you couldn't do it without these trades, if you can't build a World Series caliber team without trading away Trey Mancini for two minor league pitches at the deadline, it wasn't going to happen anyway. That's fair. I, I, that I, cannot be the thing that pushes it over the top. I, I, you know what I mean? I'm with you. And by the way, it's something that I had said for a couple of weeks and when, when this topic came up with Trey Mancini. Like, this is not making the difference. This is not going to – whatever no. you're getting back. And by the way, I actually think they did well for Trey Mancini. They had I to, do too. They had to be I creative, right? Like, in order to get a top type of pitching prospect, it had to be somebody that, you know, was coming off of Tommy John surgery. That Like, that's the way that it would work in order to get that for a rental of a positionless bat. But they did it. I think they did well. But even saying that, no, to your point, th- this if this is the difference, then then I, I refuse to believe it. I refuse to believe that the difference in whether the Orioles can win the World Series or not is whether Seth Johnson and Chase McDermott uh, pan out as pitchers. That is, it's far too dangerous for it all to come down to that. I think the 
the, you know, 15% chance of the team making the playoffs this year, that, like, complete and total shock of the year lives on. It's basically the 1989 Why Not team if they'd actually done it. You know what I mean? Yep. And think about how much that team gets referenced on the broadcast. Yeah, they didn't even make the freaking playoffs. It's playoff. considered one of the most special seasons in Orioles history. And yes, to your point. Now, obviously, it was, it was a different time where only two teams made the playoffs. And so, you know, who knows? Right. But I, I get it. I completely get it. And that's what we're feeling. I, Jake, let me let me pose this to you because it's something we were talking about this morning. We are talking about in the context of Jorge Mateo, right? And, I, and oh. this is a trope that I use on this show sometimes where it's how do we talk to our kids about Jorge Mateo? And what I mean by that is, my God, this, this dude could not be more fun to watch play the game of baseball. I am, I, I'm ready to put a poster on my wall because the joy that I'm getting watching Jorge Mateo play baseball every night is overwhelming. He does everything, and he does it in a way that just reminds you of everyone that you grew up loving as a baseball player as a kid. But yet, save for the last couple of weeks where his bats come alive, we don't think of him as a guy that's likely to be a top-notch type of hitter as a major league player. There's There are infield prospects coming. Is Jorge Mateo a guy we should be thinking about as a, a, a part of the solution long term and a guy that you're giving shortstop to knowing what might be coming? Or do we have to be realistic that like as fun as it is, this team still probably needs to do better than that if they're going to push towards building a World Series contender? I think it completely depends on the rest of the roster. So championships have been won by teams with average hitting elite defensive shortstops, right? It's not as if he's simply good at short. He has been elite. He's no a doubt. top three defender at the position. And the value in that is immense. Immense to the point where if you look at, you know, if you look at war, he has been the second most valuable, oil, or valuable Oriole on the entire team as a below average major league hitter. He's under the, it's pretty close now that he's been hot to average, but if he can be an average big league hitter and play elite defense and steal bases and bunt and run and all that other stuff, you can't build a whole roster out of Jorge Mateos, but that is a championship caliber player. If he's hitting eighth or ninth in your lineup, I have no qualms about that. Now, if Carlos Correa is on the market, that's a different story, right? But what it does do is it, it Mateo is a better defender at shortstop than really anyone the Orioles have. He's better than Westberg there. He's better than Henderson there. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to bring those guys up and plug them in elsewhere. I think of all the players on the current roster who have a chance to be on like the World Series winning team, I think Mateo's like shot up that list more than really anyone else this year. So what you're alluding to. Just because yeah. he can, he, here's the thing, dude. He can do things that so few other oh, players Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, dude, right? it's a joy. I mean, it's, a, it's truly a joy right. watching this guy play baseball because of what you're alluding to. I, I, I guess what I worry about, and I, I t- we just had Austin Hayes on the other day, and I, I love, I, three months ago, two months ago, whatever it was, we did an entire morning asking whether Austin Hayes might be becoming this, this version of the Orioles' Nick Markakis. 
And just two months later, we, of course, don't feel that way, which isn't to say we don't think that Austin Hayes isn't a Major League Baseball player. I think he right. is. It's just that we've been reminded he was on an unbelievable heater for the first couple months of the season. That's probably not who he really is as a baseball player. And, you know, for right. a minute, we were talking about Ramona Rios as being a guy. Like, that That could be a part of the solution. And I, and I worry that we fall in love as fans we with, do. with guys that are good baseball players, but maybe not. And I, I, I love what the comparison you make, because I, I just said it 10 minutes ago. Guys that if they were the seventh, eighth, or the ninth guy on your roster, you'd feel great about. But if you keep promising spots to guys that are seventh, eighth, ninth guys, you got a team full of guys that just aren't quite good enough to be championship contending. And so. Yeah, I think there's a difference. I think there's a difference with Mateo. Specifically, okay. I, I totally agree with the dynamic that you're presenting where, you know, over the course of the rebuild, right? Every, yeah. Earlier this year, we thought Bruce Zimmerman was going to start the all-star game, right? This Correct. happens. We get swooped. He was, he was spectacular. God, it's, he was it's, so good. it's so funny to think about that, right? The team stunk. Right, the team just, was terrible. But Bruce Zimmerman was, was having great. a great start. Right. And so the difference with Mateo is that he does two things elite level. Elite. Not just for the Orioles, but for baseball. And that is field the ball, and that is run. And Austin Hayes, Ramon Arias, most of the other players on the Orioles do not do anything at an elite level. Right. That is the difference. The best version of Austin Hayes is a very good player. The best version of Jorge Mateo is a, a, a beast, right? But the worst version of both of them, it, Mateo can be a backup utility infielder who comes off the bench. Hayes is not a rosterable guy, if at all, if the bottom falls out, yeah, right? And because of that, I think Mateo is the single most, valuable found piece this organization has uncovered um, just behind Cedric Mullen since the rebuild began. So I, I am all in. Are you planning next season on it being Henderson at third and Mateo at short then? Yeah. Okay. Mateo gets to play short for the Baltimore Orioles until his bat proves he cannot do that. Okay. Because I'm, I'm with it. the value he provides, and remember, if he stops hitting, then you just make him a bench bat and see if he hits enough doing that, and you can plug and play him. You know what I mean? You pinch run him. Like he just, there's so many different things he can do that it makes him a rosterable guy. Like he was getting time sort of on the good Padres teams when he was hitting like 105 because he could do all these other things. I mean, I, I, he can't hit 105 here. Like, that can't work. But no, I, I understand what you're he saying. Won't. He's not going I, to. Yeah, right. I, underst- I understand what you're saying. Um, let me do this. You're, you're Mike Elias. He's saying we're spending money this off. The easy thing from all of us is, well, you're spending it on pitching, right? Um, you have a bunch of question marks going into next year with John Means, Grayson Rodriguez coming off of injuries. I, I, I still think there's some questions about what D.L. Hall is, whether he's really a, a top-notch starter as a major league pitcher or whether maybe his stuff says he's more of a bullpen guy long-term. But you've got so many questions. I think it's obvious you need to spend some money on pitching. Is there one other place that you would say immediately this offseason you should spend money 
here. That you shouldn't fall in love with the guy that you have or what might be coming. And instead, you should look now to spend money at this spot for next year's Major League team. I mean, the guy who I want is Verdon. Um, Carlos Rodon with the Giants who should opt out of his deal. who's basically guaranteed to opt out of his deal. He's just the type of top end six innings, one run, nine Ks, every freaking timeout that the Orioles have not had for some time. He's a guy who can start, you know, in his current form, start game one of a playoff series and feel good about it. Yep. That's the dude that I'm in on. Um, Beyond that, if you take a look at some of the free agents, it's a weird class. There are two big free free agent shortstops available. Uh, three, actually. Tim Anderson, who I believe has a club option that they'll pick up. So I guess he won't be a free agent. But um, Dansby Swanson and Trey Turner are both free agents this upcoming year. And I think Turner is a, is a really alluring fit. Um, just because he can move around the diamond, right? You can put him at second. You can put him in center. Um, and I know the Orioles like that type of p- positional flexibility. He's also like a top 10 player in the league. If you're asking me whether I'd rather have Correa or Turner for the next five years, I think I'd rather have Turner. So the shortstop market is good, again, with Turner, Correa, and Swanson. But in terms of what I think this roster really needs, they just need a dude who could freaking hit. Just like a hitter. And I'm not exactly sure who that is on the market. And I'm not exactly sure if Ryan Mountcastle is that guy. Right. He is if he gets to play the Blue Jays every time. Um, but they just need a dude who can really hit. I, I Are they going to get Aaron Judge? No, 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 no. No, that's insane. I mean, and I, and I don't... It's not even that I don't think they're going to spend that type of money. I don't think I can justify it just because I'm still so turned off by the fact that they spent money on Chris Davis. And once they did that, they didn't spend money on anybody else. Um, which is really all eternally the story to me of that, which is it was okay. You, you didn't know how bad it was going to be. It was okay to spend money on Chris Davis. It wasn't okay to spend money on Chris Davis and then say, well, we're done spending money. And I, and I get worried about that. Like, I really do. And even when people bring up Carlos Correa, I'm like, is Carlos Correa really a, a 200 to $3 million, $100 million baseball player based on what we've seen from him? Like, re- really? Is he that guy? And if you do that and that's what you're spending money on, you don't have a championship team there. Like that ain't it. So I'm, I'm kind of off and I'm definitely probably, if if you're going to do it, I'd be more inclined for it to be Turner. Um, Yeah. Turner is really compelling to me. Turner, you know what Turner is? Turner is like the elite version of Jorge Mateo with worse defense. But like he's, he can just do all these things on a baseball field, except he is like a 140 OPS plus hitter also. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. I take it's it. It's pretty good, and, man. And to your point about a bat, by the way, I I would be I would be ready now if you can find the bopper. You can find that guy who's your, you know, thirty home run guy. And I know that's tougher now with the new Camden Yards, right? Like I understand that you 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 almost have to reconsider everything. But if you can find that guy, right. I'm I'm willing to start trading from your depth now in order to start finding those yeah. guys. Like when you say it's on, it yeah, needs to like, be on. Right. And like that type of guy is like Kyle Schwarber. Mm. Not that they're going to trade for him, but like that type of player. Mm-hmm. Nick Castellanos before he fell off a cliff. Yeah. Right. Jose Abreu. Like mm. a guy where you put him in, he's a bad defender, yep. but he just hit. 
Ian Hack kind of fits this bill a little bit where he just hits, man. Yep. Like he just freaking hits. And I think the Orioles need a guy that can pencil in the middle of that lineup for a while. Um, and I'm curious to see who it'll be. Uh, Jake, what can I plug for you, dude? I know obviously you're still you're doing stuff with Fox. Is there something specific we can plug? Um, not really. I, I went to the Field of Dreams game. And oh, that wrote doesn't a piece suck. I'm proud of. Oh, how cool um, is that, man? It was very cool. It was very cool. I'm not a fan of the movie. Like, I think the movie's I, fine. Okay, can we talk about but that? Because the event. I can't. I can't believe how you, how much you and I agree on some of these things. It is. It's not just that I'm the not a fan. Movie's fine. I, I'm I'm actually a little bit the other way. It's weird as hell. Finally. It's so weird. Thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> it's so weird. This dude, okay, yes. This dude is like saying to his wife, yo, I'm trying to build this, this baseball field right. in the corn. And his wife is like, no, it's our livelihood. And yes. she's the villain? Right. Like, he's talking to ghosts. And she's the best. It's so ease. I'm. I get so creeped out every time I hear ease his pain. I get so creeped out by it. Oh, like, but dude, if that happened nowadays, it'd be like you need to see someone. Correct. Like you're hearing ghosts. You should. You need to just get medicated. It's okay. But I'm still on board with a baseball field in the middle of a cornfield in Iowa. Like I'm still on board with that. Correct. I think that's a cool idea, Correct. whether or not it's related to a movie. Right. The movie is really cheesy, but what I do like about it is that it makes everyone think about the origins of their relationship with baseball right? in a very kind of primal, primitive way that is very thought-provoking and, I think, unifying between, you know, the players in the field and us. Like, we all have that place, that moment, that person that made us fall in love with the game to begin with, and players have that too. And there are very few things that we as fans and as people who cover the game really do share with players. They're superheroes. They're yep. you know celebrities. They're very different than us. But what I found about this game is it was a very unifying um, space that was very thought provoking in a lot of ways. So That's I cool. kind of wrote about that experience um, and got my hair cut in downtown Dyersville by a barber who has been cutting hair in the exact same spot for forty eight years. That's awesome. That's that's a cool trip, cool. man. That's really cool. But I, you know what else I love yeah. about it? I, I we talked about this with the Orioles playing in the little league thing this week. I also like just breaking up the monotony of a season, right? Like we Correct. we talk about this. It's 162 games. Fans are easy to just say if I skip this one, it's fine because there's a bunch more coming, right? Like I don't need to watch tonight because right. there's going to be another baseball game. Giving them something that you say I can't skip this. I'm I'm very on yeah. board with that. Very on board with yeah. something like that. So that's cool. All right. Uh, I know I've kept you forever. At Jake underscore Mints and uh, Cespedes BBQ on Twitter. Uh, dude, this is always fun, man. Let's. I, I'd love to do this again before the season is over. Thank you for taking the time for us. Not a problem. We'll do it to preview the wildcard game. I love that. Love that. Thanks, buddy. Jake Mintz, uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue, uh, MLB on Fox, and um, you know does not hide from what a massive Orioles fan he is. Really appreciate take him taking the time for us. I want to talk more about the Jorge Mateo thing. I've gotten some of your guys' responses, and I promise we're going to get to those. Um, how do we talk to our kids about Jorge Mateo? I, 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 I probably am inclined to agree with Jake, but I'd say that knowing that a couple months ago I was inclined to agree with you guys about Austin Hayes. So I, I get nervous about me falling in love with the guy that I have. We'll talk more about that when we come back in. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio.
That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. These are the final days for you to pick up the very special Salute to Coaches issue of Pressbox with John Harbaugh on the cover and eight other area high school, college, and pro coaches recognized inside with amazing stories told by the athletes whose lives they've impacted the most. You can find the Salute to Coaches issue for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always read every Pressbox print issue at PressBoxOnline.com and coming soon. Our football preview issue, which features Ravens tight end Mark Andrews on the cover and profiles of players from Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. UFC 278 is coming up on Saturday night. The place to watch and bet on the fights is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. 61 self-service kiosks now more spread out throughout the uh, property. And uh, consider the fact that you could order the fight at home for 75 bucks, and then pay money for food and you'll just be out all of that money. Or you could watch the fight for free win money betting on the fights that perhaps covers the money that you'll spend on food uh, in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel and Sports and Social, or maybe exceeds whatever you'll spend on food and drink. You can come out with more 
than you started. You're guaranteed to be roughly 100 down. You order the fight at home. It's a big fight on Saturday night, obviously. Uh, Usman thought of as being the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world at this point. Taking on Leon Edwards. Huge fight. You're going to want to order it. You're going to want to talk about it. You're going to want to watch it. Why don't you go bet on the fights, win money, and come out on top in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Reserve your spot right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. Okay, so let's talk about it. How do we talk to our kids about Jorge Mateo? What do we say? How do we figure out how to solve this puzzle? From... um, Hey, Bird for Life 49, I need you to tell me who you are because you've been getting back in touch. I want to know what your name is. So I just need you to reach out to me because I always appreciate you've been uh, great to interact with and I appreciate you being on board. Please reach out. Let me know what your name is. Uh, Trade for top-end talent. That can be good MLB. Oh, no, that's a different response. Sorry. This is the one I was looking for. Keep Mateo for a few years until you project Jackson being ready. I'm trying to think of how long reasonably until you're at that point. Three, yeah. I think at the so let's do this math backwards. If there hadn't been a pandemic, when do we think Adley Rutschman would have been here? La- Probably last year. Last year, yeah. Now he was a college player, so it's a little yeah. bit different. Three years is probably 19. about that. Keep Mateo for a few years until you project Jackson being ready. If Gunner is above average at third, then play him there and as a backup shortstop. Westberg and Vavra at second. Arias is a true utility guy that can get plenty of at-bats, if not traded. From uh, Matt Torper, our buddy Matt says, there's plenty of room in this infield for Mateo to coexist with Westberg and Henderson. Jake was right that Mateo's elite defense and speed, virtually immutable traits, gives him a rock-solid floor that few others on the roster have. Certainly not Hayes or Urias, who, as we pointed out, are two of the other guys that we've had this conversation about during the course of the year. From Danny. Danny says, Glenn, I understand exactly what it is that you're saying. I like Jorge Mateo a lot. I guess my question would be, ultimately, is he more valuable to this team as a trade chip knowing what's coming? Does someone else truly fall in love with him as being a solution that doesn't have a Gunnar Henderson and a Jackson Holiday in the pipeline? If they do, could you use that to pry away the type of bat that you and Jake Mintz were talking about? I'd be open to that. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Spencer Schultz, Ravens for Dummies on Twitter from uh, um, a Baltimore Beatdown. He says, prospects don't always pan out. Mateo is starting to pan out. Can always use those prospects to find help somewhere else. I guess he's referring to the other guys that you can always use Henderson and Westberg to try to help you out in trades. The good thing about shortstops is that they can usually play everywhere. Shortstop, third base, second base, first base, right field, left field, depending on the arm. They're the best defenders. That argument is 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 probably more of of why you can say, hey, no matter what, no matter how you think of um, Jorge Mateo, he's inherently more valuable than some of these other guys we're talking about. He's inherently more valuable than Arias was, or than even when we talk about Austin Hayes, because those guys, th- there isn't a backup plan for them. To the point, if Jorge Mateo, you pencil in, and he's performing well at shortstop but isn't a great hitter ever. Like, it's just a, you know, a 250 type of hitter, but continues to play this incredibly high-level shortstop and continues to be a, a real speed guy. But Jackson Holiday continues to progress and is playing a high-level shortstop as he's coming up. 
And you get to that point where he demands being here because his bat is unbelievably legit and he plays a high-level shortstop. You could always slide Jorge Mateo over to second base at at that point. Like You could always slide Jorge Mateo somewhere else to fit a need. Jake Mintz's point is well taken. Right. If, if the bat falls off completely, if what we've seen right now is the best the bat will ever be, and he's going to revert back to being a 200, 210, 215 type of hitter, then he could still be a guy that's available on your bench to do specific things. To give you on a on a you know on a as needed basis a late inning defensive replacement for whatever infielder you feel the weakest about defensively, whether that's at short or third or second, he could always be a pinch runner off the bench. Uh, remember the Royals teams that were good had about six of those guys on their roster. They just kept taking more of them. Give me Terrence Gore and give me. Oh God, who is Billy, Billy, Billy Hamilton? And give me uh, Michael Taylor, and give me like at literally all of them. Give me every Nicky Lopez. It was a little bit later on. I'm a, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That was. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I feel like there was one more that was Mondesi. That, no, no, Mondesi was Mondesi. What are you doing? <laughs> Just guess. It's not his name. It's. Do you remember his? No, you don't remember his father. God, his, no, why, why am I even asking that question? His father was a rookie of the year uh, for the Dodgers once upon a time. Raul Mondesi. Mondesi is how you say that one. Mondesi. I don't know all of them. There are plenty that I don't know. <laughs> I'm still not sure that I know Urias. But there are some that I do. And I assure you there's no Nick Offerman, you goof. Right, right. Um, okay. Rita chimes in. I don't know. I want him to stay, but centerpiece is a huge word that I'm not sure I'm ready to say with him yet. I, yeah. I, I get it. I, this is... I really do concern myself with the idea of building a roster of guys that are just good, that are solid major league players, and, and, and us being so enamored with them because they're fun and because they're competitive and because they're doing all of these things, but ultimately is that enough to break through? Look, the Yankees apparently stink, so this is a, a tough year to say it because once upon a time it looked like it was going to be very difficult for any to beat the Yankees in the American League. Now, you could argue the American League is utterly wide open. That's the goofy thing about like if the Orioles were to get in the playoffs, right now you can't tell me who they can't beat. There's not a team in the American League. In the National League, I don't think they could beat the Mets. I don't think they could beat uh, the Dodgers. I don't think anybody could beat the Dodgers. Right. Um, maybe the Mets could beat the Dodgers. I guess I take that back. I'm sorry. I'm being disrespectful to the Astros. The Astros are clearly the team to beat in the American League. That's that's unfair. There's nothing that says that the Orioles could win a playoff series, a particularly a long playoff series, with the Astros. There's nothing that says they would be capable of doing that. But everybody else, literally everybody else in the picture, and if the this is what the Yankees are, if they don't figure themselves out, and it's starting to be a large sample size that we're seeing with the Yankees. They can't score. The hell happened to them? Either Aaron Judge is hitting a home run or they're effed. There's nobody else in the American League right now that the Orioles couldn't win in a playoff, a, a playoff series against. Um, uh, oh, my buddy Phil Backert, who, of course, does uh, fantasy baseball for uh, Press Box. Nothing wrong with having a strong bench that can help your team. We're seeing that now with McKenna. I understand that, but you can only give so many of those spots away. Like you're only allowed to have 26 dudes on a roster. The question becomes: Are you just penciling in, hey, Jorge Mateo's a plan until he's not a plan, and then he's a bench guy after that, 
or are you purposely attempting to sell high? If you're afraid that he might not be that guy, shouldn't you first be looking to move him to someone else who thinks he could be? And you get a ransom in return. That, to me, is at the crux of the Jorge Mateo conversation. Are you convinced that you have to... You, are, you have seen enough to believe he could be really a star. That you have to give him that spot. Or, look, if somebody calls you this offseason, do you say, man, we got a lot coming. I don't know for sure that he's that guy. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we listen. One way or the other, whether that's for you know a, a, another prospect or whether it's, it's part of a package that can land you the type of player that we were just talking about, your Kyle Schwarber-type middle-of-the-order bat. If that guy is to be had, if that guy is available, and I, again, I, don't, I haven't done a lot of work on that. I know, we were, you know Jake was just spitballing guys like Ian Happ, but I agree with him. I think this lineup is missing that. And I want Ryan Mountcastle to be that guy, but I don't know how long we keep waiting to find out for sure that he is. And I don't know how long you give first base to someone who may or may not be. But there is inherent value. It's the thing, when we were all laughing about the idea of um, a Spencer Torkelson or Andrew Vaughn being a number one overall pick, the one thing I kept saying is, if that guy's going to turn out to be Jeff Bagwell... That changes everything. I think you need a bopper still. A a bopper you can rely on. I know Anthony Santander has home run power. But a reliable thumper in the middle of this order is still something that I think this team needs moving forward to to make the the difference in building towards being a World Series um, winner type of player, type of team. Yeah. So if, if you're not fully convinced that Jorge Mateo is your shortstop for five-plus years and another team really likes him and another team doesn't have the depth that you have, are you listening? I'm, I'm struggling with it. I'm really struggling with it because I am enamored. I am... I'm I'm feeling feelings. I'm catching feelings for Jorge Mateo. It it is it is such a joy to watch the dude play. But am I convinced? I don't know that I'm convinced. I'm not sure I'm ready to go there. I'm 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 not certain. Um from uh from Joe. Joe says um Joe, I'm confused. Okay. Okay. Joe says, love Mateo. Think he is legitimately that guy. What is that guy, though? Is that guy a perennial all-star? No, probably not. Is that guy a Mike Bordick plus? Yeah, that's what I think he is. I think he's a guy that you're really happy to have at shortstop, and you need to surround with better players. The question is whether the Orioles have better players. I had to clean that up a little bit. But I, essentially, I, I think I kind of agree with you. Joe. I, I mean, I really do. I think that that's kind of what I've been saying. I like Jorge Mateo. But if you're relying on Jorge Mateo, 
the same way that you're relying on this person, that person, that person, do you have enough? My gut tells me no. My gut tells me he's not, he ain't Trey Turner. But maybe he's becoming that. Maybe that's what we're seeing. Maybe the last month or two is proving he could be. Uh, Matt Torper, sure, sell high on, sell him high if you get a good deal, but it better be way, way more than you got for Trey or certainly for Jorge Lopez. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm not inclined to just give away Jorge Mateo for the sake of giving away. And I'll, you know, I, I, I hope those, those specifically aren't the trades that Mike Elias is making moving forward. I didn't want him to be trading for single-A guys. Now, I'm hoping that the trades that Mike Elias is making now moving forward are trades for guys that are far closer to being major league ready. That's what I'm hoping those trades would be if you're trading for prospects. Hour number one of today's show is in the books. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley caught up with Ken Guthrie. He is the scout that was responsible for scouting... Jackson Holiday for the Baltimore Orioles explained what it is they saw in him, why they were confident in him as being the number one overall pick. Really didn't save much money. This was just the guy. Why? Ken Guthrie explained that last night. If you missed it, you can find it at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or pressboxonline.com slash video. Um, we'll get to more of your responses. How do we talk to our kids about Jorge Mateo and I believe we're going to talk some golf with Rex Hoggard from the Golf Channel. Next, the PMW Championship is coming back to Baltimore. It's a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com glory days grill great food good sports to follow the show on instagram it's just glenn clark radio and to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait i don't think you're supposed to know about that one any hoodle take it away boys all right, back in here on GCR. We will attempt to uh, track down Rex Hogger before today's show wraps up. And uh, the good news, again, if you missed it this morning, the BMW Championship is coming back to Caves Valley in 2025. And so, as I said earlier, hopefully, hopefully, that means that uh, PGA Tour has come through, you know, whatever this all is, and they've gotten everything figured out, and everybody's there, and... All's good. I hope that proves to be the case. Hope that's the case. We will see. And in fact, we're going to talk about more about it right now. All right, it is a uh, Tuesday edition of GCR. 2025 BMW Championship will return to Caves Valley uh, after an incredible event last year. Joining us now to talk more about that and everything going on in the world of golf. He is our friend Rex Hoggard from the Golf Channel, and he's with us now here on GCR. Rex, it's Glenn. Great to catch up with you, man. Thank you for taking the time, as always. Of course. Anything going on in the world of golf right now? Yeah, I've heard there's a few, a few things happening. I heard there's a couple things going on. Hey, before we get to that, uh, how excited are you about the Orioles? Very excited. Dude. <laughs> Very excited. Uh, you know what's funny is uh, in, in a media press room, uh, just to kind of open up the curtain a little bit, so there's a the AP golf writer, his name is Doug Ferguson, huge Dodgers fan. Okay. And then there's a couple of Red Sox fans and a couple of Yankees fans. And for the better part of my 20-plus years career as a golf writer, <laughs> I've never been able to walk through a press center wearing an Orioles hat or anything associated. I, I'm telling you, I'm wearing them out right now. Dude, it's so much fun. It is so much. And it's so unexpected, right? And the, By the way, whoever's a Yankees fan, you get to say they stink now. Like, they're terrible now. Uh, so this is wonderful. <laughs> I'm on board with this. All right, so I, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the other stuff. But for us locally – this is still a big deal. Um, the event last year, to me, and, and and Rex, you know, I'm not, I'm not like Drew. I'm not, you know, golf isn't in my blood. But I, I went out there and I breathed it and I lived it and I said, man, this is incredible. And it had a huge economic impact for the area. Um, what was the response from everybody on the golf side of things to Caves Valley, and and why is it? Do you think that they ended up deciding to bring the BMW back in 2025? Uh, really good market, first and foremost, as you pointed out. I mean, I think just from an economic 
point of view from when I was told the sales were great, not just ticket sales, but more this is like corporate suites and that kind of thing is what they, they look at. So it's a, it's a good market because it's a starved market. Let's be honest. Yep. There's not a lot of high quality golf in that area. And in DC being as well, I know the Wells Fargo was there this year. So you can kind of pull from that and people want to come out and see it and the golf course. I mean, Cave Valley is a special place. I remember the first time I covered an NCAA championship there. And it, no, I think it was actually, I'm sorry, the U.S. Senior Open. Oh, I yeah. played it the yep. day afterwards. And it's, it's, it was one of my favorites immediately. It's such a special place. And I think that's, that's it. So from the player's perspective, they're going to want to go to play a golf, uh, tournament. And the, the, the answer to that is, why do you play that? And the answer is 1A and 1B are always the golf course. So you've got that covered with the players. And then the other side is the economics for the tour. They, it's a good fit. Do you feel like this is proof that this could become maybe a rotational thing that like if they're coming back literally this quickly within four years, it could be a sign of, you know, either more BMW championships. I know that it'd be well down the road, but like that it could be in the mix for a bigger event, a a, a Ryder Cup. I don't know what it is. You know, like is is it a sign that Caves Valley and this market have established themselves as being part of the rotation for years to come? I think so. And look, the BMW is going to be a little strange because you got that's being tugged in a lot of different directions. I mean, Chicago would be the primary place where because it's it's benefiting the Western Golf Association, which is right there out of Chicago. It's, that, that's a sort of a Middle America thing, but it fits in so well. This week in Delaware, being another example, where you have the opportunity to take this tournament that's always going to get a good field because it's the playoffs, yep. because it's an important event, and you can sort of just parachute that in and around different markets so yeah I, I don't know if it would be a once every four year thing but i could definitely see it in a rotation and as far as a bigger event absolutely i mean it certainly has proven that it has the infrastructure and i don't know let's call it the architectural bones to host even a major championship i would argue really really i mean it, it wouldn't be a u.s open site though right like this is i mean people are guys are scoring it at caves like that would what what would be like is it a pga championship type of venue I mean, the U.S. Senior Open was it was major. Oh, that's true. It was I mean, right, I don't, yeah. And and they can set it up as difficult as they want. I mean, it's it's all about setup, and certainly for the BMW, it's going to be set up different than it would be for a major championship. I guess the the best comp right now would be Quail Hollow. Okay. And just in just a few, you know, what two months from now, it's going to host the Presidents Cup. Yeah. And it's and it's hosted a PGA Championship, and I think it's in line to host the Ryder Cup. Quail Hollow is, is kind of in a, a bit of a different category, but I don't. I wouldn't argue that it's in that big of a different category. With that drum, I don't know. I'm starting to sound like a homer now. Now I I'm know, just right? out of it, but I feel like it's no. I I I'm not, I'm not saying that just because I'm playing to the audience. I think it's a great course and a great venue. But Rex, what jumped out at me about the crowd, and I know part of it was the Bryson factor and everybody, you know, hating Bryson, and and so of course they fell in love <laughs> with Patrick Cantley, and then the theater was spectacular. I mean, it was just an unbelievable Sunday, um, but it was a loud raucous crowd that as you pointed out was has been starved for an event like this and it was a drunk crowd i mean it was it was they were electric and I, the feel of that for like an international event seems like almost the perfect marriage right uh it really is and you know again i'll go back to the wells fargo being at, at uh tpc avenel farms yeah. whatever it is yeah. i i would get caught up in on the wrong side of that it, it was a great crowd this year for that. So I, I think once you start sort of experimenting with these different markets, I'll be curious to see what it's like this week in Delaware, because I, I, I'm pretty sure it's like an hour from Philadelphia and, yep. and there's plenty of, of large markets to pull from there. It's a very good golf course. Like I think those are interesting to me because I'm a big fan of the classics, like congressional 
any of the classic courses, certainly Brookline this year for the U.S. Open, any of the classics are always fun to go back to because you start comparing, you know, different eras and different decades and different golfers. But I also see there, there's place in the game to, to sort of rotate new venues in, and that's a, good, that's a good one. All right, here's Rex Hoggard from the Golf Channel. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, Rex, by tw- this, is, this is the question, right? What is what are things going to look like by 2025? What where where is the PGA Tour going to be? Where will the playoffs be? Like is is everything going to have worked itself out by 2025? Or like what? How do you make sense of everything that's going on in the context of planning for three years down the road? Uh, you're talking to a guy that was in a courtroom in San Jose last Tuesday, yeah. hearing uh, hearing a potential schedule that I could, in theory, be in court that week in, in San Francisco <laughs> covering uh, an antitrust lawsuit while that tournament's going on. So it's hard for me to actually sit here and say, because uh, that was some of the dates that the judge offered both sides. was either, There was like two dates late next year, and then she said the next spot's on the calendar of 2025. So we may not get an answer until then. I don't know. It, it's a very good question. I think I, I will say this, that the PGA Tour has not had this kind of momentum on its side in this particular fight against Liv Goff in a while. It was a big win last week in that court case, not having those players, the Liv suspended players in the field yep. for the playoffs. I feel like the, the new schedule has sort of met all the requirements that maybe some of the top players have wanted. You know, starting next year, we're going back to a calendar schedule. And we're we're going to try to condense the schedule a little bit. The purses have gone up dramatically. So for the first time in a long time, I feel like there's some momentum. However, I mean, even with, with that wind at the tour's back, there were still things last week. I mean, certainly all the rumors about Cam Smith going to live golf. I mean, he could have become world number one last week. And just imagine the impact of the world's best player going to live golf. It's not going away, and, and I don't see to answer your question. I don't know what the end game is here. So, the, the uh, you know, we heard a lot about this this meeting that's allegedly happening today, and oh my God, because you use the, the, the when the name Tiger Woods gets thrown in, it seems like... It, it, it's that big of a deal. If there's momentum now, then, then what would the reason be for this today? Like, what, what is this as explosive as it's being made out to be by some? I don't think it's going to be explosive. It's it's notable because anytime Tiger Woods gets on a jet to go in, to meet with the tour, it's going to be notable because clearly he has something to say, and and clearly there's something he wants to hear, and so that in itself is notable as far as it. it there won't be anything actionable. I mean, we won't be reporting tonight some sort of dramatic change to the PGA Tour. That's not the way the organization works. But certainly the people in the room suggest that my take on it is this is a move towards player empowerment. And we've seen it in every other sport, right? Sure. I mean, certainly the, the Brooklyn Nets are a poor example of that, but an example of that nonetheless. I think that's what this is. Whether or not if it's Tiger and Rory and the rest of the top players walking in the room making an ultimatum, or if it's look, we need to address this now. Because the commissioner of the PGA Tour, Jay Monahan, has said this in public. If this is a fight and we're just doing this with dollar bills, the tour can't win that battle. Yep. They're going to lose a bidding war. And so we need to figure out, to your previous point, what does this look like in 2025? And we need to come up with a clear plan to answer whatever it is that's going on. Now, exactly what that means and what that's going to add up to, I don't know. There's been a lot of crazy rumors about there about what they might be trying to get or or trying to sort of uh, transform the tour into. I don't think right now it's coexistence, but that might be an option as well. Uh, So a lot of people have brought that up, the idea of, you know, whether it's live playing in the fall and then players being allowed to participate in both. I, 
I, I don't know what matters to them because the fall, it does kind of limit where you can play at that point. Like, I don't think you're going to be playing in, in New Jersey in November. I don't think. Um, is that practical? Is that what they want on their side? Or, like, is Greg Norman hell-bent on winning whatever this fight is and says, no, I, I never capitulate in any way because I hate you and I I want to be the dominant force in all of golf? I, I would make an argument that could go both ways on that. That, look, I certainly Greg Norman has not acted like a CEO. He's acted more like a Twitter troll right, in, in recent right. weeks. Like it's, right. like, it's embarrassing. I mean, this is supposed to be a business, and you're supposed to be running a business. And the way he's doing it, I, I don't know, would lead anyone to believe that he's qualified for this job. On the other side of this, I believe that Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, has been far too emotional when it comes to this. I, I understand this is an existential threat. I understand everything that comes to the table. But when a CEO is facing something like this, I don't think you want to see emotion. You want to see a businessman tackle things in a very rational business manner, and he hasn't been doing that. So I would argue that if coexistence is the end game here, I'm not sure if those two guys are, are able to do that, at least not right now, because they've made it so emotional, they've made it so personal. I, I don't see how either one of them get in a room at this point. That's interesting. That's really interesting. All right, before I let you go, Rex Haggard from the Golf Channel, there is golf that's being played. I know this was a big moment. Like, was was this Will Zalatoris' star moment? Is this the guy? I know he's had great performances at, at big events, but it, it was this his moment? I know we've talked about this with a few other guys. You know, Scotty Scheffler was having his moment. Tony Finau's been having a moment. But w was this the moment that maybe he asserted himself as being, like, one of the guys to beat for the next couple of years? Yes. Without a doubt. And, and I don't know how to quantify that. I, I did the winner's interview on the, on, the third, on the green of the third playoff hole. And the emotion, I mean, he, he did, couldn't get through the first answer without yeah. breaking down. And, 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 and it was genuine, and, and I appreciated it because of what it meant to him. And look, winning was always going to be special, but I think it was how he won. That he's been, I mean, we've talked about his putting and his clutch putting. And, his, you know, when he gets over the three-footers, you know, most people just haven't been trusting him. And he hasn't given us a lot of reason to trust him. He's had opportunities and not gotten it done to do it, you know, on the 72nd hole and then do it again on the first playoff hole to make a clutch putt when you absolutely had to. Yep. I can't imagine how rewarding that was for him. No, it was incredible. I mean, it, it, it helps when the other guy's helping you out when you get to the third playoff hole. It helps when that's the case. Uh, but still, it counts nonetheless. Uh, Rex Hoggard, GC, on Twitter is how you follow him. Rex, is there anything else we can plug for you, my friends? Uh, no, Rex Hogger GC, and then um, we're looking forward to, to getting back at it next week at the Tour Championship. Uh, I also, hopefully, come three years from now, you are not in a courtroom, and instead you are right here at Caves oh. Valley hanging out with us, watching the soon-to-be uh, World Series-winning Baltimore Orioles uh, at that point. I hope that's the case. Rex, always appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Appreciate it. See you guys. Rex Hoggard from the Golf Channel checking in with us. Yeah, big meeting apparently today with all the players and the PGA Tour. Uh, El Tigre flying in to be a part of it. Explosive, dramatic, but what really comes from it, nobody seems to know. And I, I think Rex's point is well taken. Like It's not, not likely that there's going to be some sort of palace coup when they're going to carry the commissioner of the PGA Tour out and, and toss him on his backside today. But players want to get more organized as... You know, there there is an existential threat to the PGA Tour. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, we made a trip. We had a, a field trip yesterday after the show. It was Carson Weekly's final day with us, and so we uh, wandered over to Glory Days Grill 
Man, we were getting really excited about the uh, softball game. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Texas rallied and defeated Delmar, yes, Maryland yeah. in the uh, Little League softball uh, championship game, which is a real bummer because we were into it. <laughs> like, we were paying attention. Yeah. At least Carson and I were. Griffin, I think, was watching cartoons. I was, yeah. It was just the way the chairs were. Um, I, I made a play yesterday that might be my new favorite play of all time. So you guys know I've been talking up the opener. It's the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. But you also know how the affinity that I have for the smoky thigh wings at Glory Days Grill. So I said, well, why don't I mix these things up a little bit? And why don't I go with the Korean number two sauce on the smoky thigh wings? And when I ran that by um, the young lady who was serving us yesterday, she said, yeah, we can do that. And you ain't going to regret it. And I did not. In fact, I did do the awkward bit. There is no point to consuming the vegetables they give you when you dip. So at the, at, once I had finished all of my smoky thigh wings, there was um, a small pool of the number two sauce still on the bottom of the tray. And so I took the carrots and the celery and I ran them through the number two sauce. They were merely a vehicle for me because, it, as I said before, you want to just run your fingers through it. It's... It's considered... Um, yeah, that's a move I'm going to have to steal for next time. Yeah, it's... Because oh. yeah, I ate my veggies. That's a huge mistake. Yeah. I don't know and what you're doing, dude. You should have stopped me. Well, yeah. I, I, I hadn't <laughs> thought about it, in fairness. God, it was so... Pl- so, yeah, the, the boys just got uh, traditional wings with yeah. a number two sauce, which is fine. It's fine. I did notice they both... Now, this was the other thing I noticed. They both ordered fries, and then she asked, do you guys want some ketchup? And they both said no. And I wondered if that was because you were trying to do the play with the fries and the sauce. I wondered if that was the the thought process there. And if it was, I was going to tip my hat to you for a a fine thought there. Um, If it wasn't, I mean, it's still better than... I do appreciate the fact that you're not four years old. Right. I do appreciate that, but... I just feel like it would have been a better yeah, play it would have been, to it would run have been. the fries um, through the number two sauce. Yeah, I just enjoy my fries, uh, you know. That's fine. That's naked. fine. There's nothing wrong with that, especially <laughs> if they're good fries, right? They like, were, yes. I, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. I just thought that maybe you were thinking next level, and right. you were thinking about right. pairing the fries with the number two sauce. The moral of the story- I wanted to make sure I had enough of my chicken. I understand. <laughs> I understand. The moral of the story being the number two sauce right, right. will save you from your sins. I, I Bathe in it. Baptize yourself in the number two sauce at Glory Days Grill. Try the opener the, for the flash fried pork belly. It's so good. The South Carolina barbecue chicken. That's the upset of the day is that I didn't order that. Right. I was just, I was so enamored with the idea of the number two <laughs> sauce with the smoky thigh wings. Um, it, it, God. It's Glory Days Grill. Lobster roll. The grilled corn. The crab and lobster fries still available. The uh, oh god, the cracker jack Sunday. Nobody ordered that. That was a mistake too. Nobody uh, nobody got dessert yesterday. But um, God, I love Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website, and we had a uh, we had a great time just hanging out for lunch yesterday. Just went up, bellied up to the bar. Um, despite the fact that none of us were drinking, um, we uh, got some wings. We watched some softball. It was a lovely way to spend the afternoon. Indeed, it was. Now. Back to our think tank topic today. How do we talk to our kids about Jorge Mateo? Lawrence, I believe is in TV, if I remember correctly. I believe that, uh, or no, he's a sports writer. That's what he is. My my buddy Lawrence Barrick, who's followed us for a while. Lawrence says, if the bat stays, he stays. They've already got Gunner playing third base in the minors, and Westberg has played second base a lot. I think it's too far out to be thinking about Holiday playing shortstop. 
All the O's need is for Mateo to hit like 230-240, and he's more than valuable enough. I I semi agree, Lawrence, but I'm I'm in a tough spot. Because if that's the case, you need you I'm trying to build your championship caliber roster, right? Like that's what I'm trying to build. Adley Rutschman is, of course, part of that. I'm willing to believe that Gunnar Henderson is part of that. And if you're putting in Jorge Mateo as part of it, tell me the lineup elsewise. Is elsewise a thing? I think so. That works. I mean, I think it fits here. It's other. I made elsewhere and otherwise. Yeah. Combine them into one. And I think we're sticking with it. I like it. This is like when they put chocolate and peanut butter together and they were like, "Did what did we do here? And the, the answer is they changed the world. And I believe Elsewise might also change the world. Elsewise, how you putting together your championship caliber lineup? I think you could still have Cedric Mullins in a lineup like that and maybe one of Mountcastle or Santander. I don't know that you can have both of them. That's the tricky part. If it's both, so let's just make it Mountcastle and Santander. That leaves you three spots in that lineup where you can try to upgrade in order to take this, and which is a bottom third of the league offense, and turn it into a more championship caliber group. So that would leave you one outfield spot. It would leave you a DH role that could could be first base because you could just move Mountcastle. The problem is, again, this now this becomes the Rutschman problem. You don't really want to use DH as a spot for one of your bats because Adley Rutschman's going to have to DH a certain number of games during the course of the season. So you got to bear that in mind. That's part of the problem in trying to build this roster. And you're saying you know Westberg at second base at that point. So. Is, is that a championship caliber roster? It's, it's, yeah, it's tough. I don't, um, I don't know that I see that. I don't know that I see that. Even if you say that left field, even if you move on from Austin Hayes and say that left field is the place where you're looking to upgrade with a bat, that you're, you're going to try to add one more or one more outfielder because you could move bat. Anthony Santander back to left field, right? Like he could play one of the two corner outfield spots. So the, you're, you're using corner outfield as the place for you to add one more bat. So let's just, for the fun of it, right? Let's just make it Ian Happ. Okay. Just for funsies, right? Still not sure. Is that a championship caliber lineup? And I'm not saying that to be alarmist or to to make Jorge Mateo the singular problem. And if the argument is, no, that's why... You can't have both Mountcastle and Santander in that lineup. That's why you have to use Santander to try to get you something else. Okay, but you're not going to trade Santander straight up one-on-one for an offensive upgrade. Like, that doesn't work. So is it Santander and... You don't have enough pitching depth or you'd be trading away pitching depth at this point. But is it Santander and Mateo? Is it Santander and Westberg? This goes back to why it is that I was willing to consider these types of uh, trades. Is it Santander, Connor Norby, and something else? Does that get you that? 
And that's sort of my point about Jorge Mateo is, does it require that? Because then, if I move Mateo and Santander to get a real thumper, a real middle-of-the-order bat, can I put together a championship-caliber lineup if it's Henderson playing shortstop, Westberg playing second base, and I can find another bat at third? And this is all hypothetical. I'm not, I'm not telling you I'm in a rush to trade Jorge Mateo either. This is just all, this is why I make the conversation what it is. It's not a simple yes or no to me. It's a broad, how do we talk to our kids about him? I think he's a, he's a joy to watch play the game of baseball. But I am still apprehensive. I want him to be part of the solution because I want to watch Jorge Mateo play baseball for as long as I possibly can. I really love watching Jorge Mateo play baseball. But I would love a parade more than that. And if Jorge Mateo can help me get closer to a parade, I'm I'm inclined to listen. I'm inclined to hear it out. I think that's what Rita's alluding to when she says, look, I really like him, but is he a centerpiece? I'm not willing to go there. I'm not willing to to say that. And I'm probably of the same mindset. I really like Jorge Mateo. God, every night I sit down and I get the chance to watch Jorge Mateo. I'm like, this is a good night. I might see something. I was at the ballpark the night of the, the double play that was just insane. He's, he's, he's building memories. He's building things that we're going to file away and we might remember in a year or two. Now, in fairness, Stevie Wilkerson did the same thing. Like, let's not, let's not overstate that. We remember plays Stevie Wilkerson made, who was by, by no means a Major League Baseball player. I like Jorge Mateo. I'm just not sure of exactly how he fits within the context of this rebuild. We'll find out, but I'm... And, it, and by the way, I think this is the difficulty for Mike Elias, too. Right. This, again, we go back to this wasn't supposed to be the group. Like, the group was still supposed to be coming. Like, maybe one or two of these guys could be part of the group. Now, because they're having enough success, it's more difficult to judge this. And here I am casting aside Austin Hayes, where three months ago, Austin Hayes was the MVP of this team. To do, yeah. To do. I, I don't think you can make him a centerpiece, but I think I'm very much okay with him being, you know, this the opening day shortstop in 2023. And I, I know, like Jake, you know, Jake threw out all those shortstops: Trey Turner, mm-hmm. Swanson, um, um, Correa, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that would be great. But I, I'd rather, I think, I'd rather see us spend money elsewhere when we know we have Mateo. We, we know his, Mateo's glove isn't going to go right. anywhere, and we have more reinforcements I, in theory. I think the problem becomes in the minors. You you find yourself more comfortable spending money on a proven because of the importance of shortstop. The mm-hmm, the idea mm-hmm. of getting a proven commodity at shortstop is viewed to be so much more valuable than a proven commodity somewhere else, right? Like yeah. a proven commodity somewhere else that there is no backup plan, right? Like if Carlos Correa doesn't hit 290, he can still be really consequential for your baseball team doing other things. But if you sign a corner outfielder and he's not 280 hitter with 27 home runs there's a limit to how consequential he can be for your baseball team so the argument is if you're going to spend money you spend it on somebody who you're building yourself a backup plan that even if it doesn't go perfectly right 
they can still be helpful. They can still be a significant piece for you. Well, that's, of course, also the same as the argument that we're making for Jorge Mateo, right? right. That's literally what Jake Mintz said earlier. Well, if he's not that bad, he's still an elite defender. And it's important that we talk about that. I made the comparison to Ozzie Smith when we were talking about this with Jeremy Kahn yesterday, right? Like, I'm joking about it, but the metrics say he's of that ilk. Like, he's that type of good defender. Um, again, is that alone enough to guarantee the spot? Probably not. He's He's got to be more of a bat. And I, and I think to your point, like, am I penciling him in right now? Like, right now, as I'm building the 2023 Orioles, yes, Jorge Mateo is my starting shortstop. But if the opportunity presents itself to do something else, I don't right. think he's uh, yes. I don't think he's untouchable. I don't think he is an un- – Adley Rutschman is an untouchable centerpiece. Right, right. right. Like, this thing works based on Adley Rutschman. Jorge Mateo, I don't think is that. I think he's a guy that I'm inclined to want to see more of, but you know, I feel kind of similarly about Cedric Mullins. If somebody else is in love with Cedric Mullins, mm-hmm. we'll talk. You know, like I, I, everything's up for conversation at this point. Outside of Adley Rutschman, outside of really Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez, um, I guess now, you know, Gunnar Henderson probably too. But outside of that. It, it kind of feels like everything is still, despite the fact they're a good baseball team and despite the fact they have good players, I just don't feel so strongly committed to those guys at the moment. And and Jorge Mateo, I, I like and I think is closer. I, I thought the way that Jake said it was, was good, which is more than anyone else, he has moved into the category of being someone that you can count on. He has done more than anybody else on this roster to present himself as a future piece. But is he guaranteed? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Continue to give me your responses. I'm joining the conversation. Ackline Clark Radio on Twitter. We'll keep talking about it as the day goes on. All right. Um, tidbit is brought to you today by Swagger. Did you play a, a Swagger ticket last night? I did. It uh, went poorly. I, I'm not good at this game so far. <laughs> This is not good. I know. This is not good. We need you to. We need you to, to step your game up a little I, bit. I, I, so I people understand. understand that you I can very win much understand with swagger. <laughs> uh, play with swagger.com slash pressbox. This is the deal. Football season is coming. Baseball season is going on, and you still can't bet on your phone or your computer here in the state of Maryland, which is very dumb. But it's what it is. There's not a mu- much we can do about it. I will be playing Ryan Mountcastle again tonight. He was about one of the only ones I hit yesterday. Oh, because it's Toronto. Yeah, yeah. correct. Toronto. Correct. It's a good point. You should definitely play Ryan Mountcastle against Toronto. Although, what did you play? Did you? I, th- I think it was two total, total bases. bases. Okay, yeah, yeah, total so. base. Because what he only the home run was his only hit, right? Because it yeah, was his walks so. after that point. Yeah. The walks really screw with you because they're helpful, <laughs> no, but they don't help on total bases. Son of a bitch. But, um, but yeah, if you played total bases, you were good because of course he hit the home run. Uh, and yeah, he kills the Blue Jays. It's just, yeah. I don't know how to make sense of it. He kills the Blue Jays, murders them. So, as I'm saying, you can't do it. You can't bet on your phone or on your computer, but you can play with swagger. And when you do, you're going to feel like you're betting because you're playing prayer, player props, you're playing parlays. And what makes it better is despite the fact that you're putting together a parlay, you don't have to have all of them hit. Now, you need to have more hit than what Griffin's been doing. <laughs> you need to do better than that. Yes, you do. You need to have more of them hit. But it doesn't have to be all of them. You could go three for four. You could go four for six. You could do something like that and just build up enough points 
in their points system, and it's explained to you when you put your ticket in, in order to at least get your money back, make a little bit of money, even if you don't get the big win. Of course, if you you know you get them all, then you could end up being a big, big, big winner with Swagger. Um, and the best part of all of it is that they're giving you free money. You may you might never play with your own money. Go right now to playwithswagger.com/pressbox. You're gonna get ten dollars free immediately. But then on top of that, they're gonna match your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. So you could get up to $110 free to play with on Swagger. 110 bucks. You might never, even if you lose as much as Griffin has lost, you might never play with your own money because you start winning after a few losses and all of a sudden you're good and you're winning money despite the fact that you never used your own money in order to do it. Which is truly remarkable. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. We're going to do more with it in football season. We've been sort of dipping our toes in the water with baseball. Um, I might let Griffin put together. You know what? I might let you put together a ticket for me oh, tonight. All right. I might let you do that. You put together. Mm, I might overrule you, but we'll <laughs> see. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox for that free money to play with. What you got? All right. Fun one uh, for the first part of it. Uh, Xavion Curry. He debuted for the Guardians yesterday. Sure he did. Um, and his name is spelled uh, X-Z-A-V-I-O-N, mm. Xavion. Mm, I bet that does you well in Scrabble. Yeah. Um, and so he became the first uh, Major League player to have uh, his name start with the letter X and be followed by a letter other than the letter A. And he became remember, the very first uh, player. Xavier Scruggs uh, was a baseball player. I'm I'm not sure if there was anybody besides Xavier. Yeah, Xavier, there's like Xander Bogarts. Oh, yeah, sure. So yeah, a yeah, lot of, they're all like X-A's. Um, and so uh, you do have to kind of feel for uh, Ziomer uh, Guacash. Excuse eight, me? Yes. He's okay. an 18-year-old uh, player and t- a pitcher for the Tigers in the Tiger system. So uh, he would have been – he'll be number two on this list if, list if he makes it to the majors. But uh, he, he probably had a chance to be number one, and that dream is probably crushed uh, for him. Probably over, yeah. Um, and now secondly, uh, so the Orioles won their 60th game yesterday, first time getting to 60 wins since 2017. Uh, and they won their 60th game in that year on August 18th against the Los Angeles Angels on a Friday night. Oh, this was the Manny Machado walk-off uh, Grand Slam game. Yes. yes. Yeah, very, very fun game. Yes. And uh, so I want to know if you can uh, name that starting lineup for me. Uh, Manny Machado. Manny Machado. Three home runs in the game, seven RBIs, including that walk-off Grand Slam. It was a nice night. It, it was. was a nice night. And they were only st- that was their 60th win, and they went to 60-62. and 62. So these Orioles are ahead of those 2017 birds. Oh, Twenty seventeen team was, and and what was the what was the mid season trade they made that year? Um, no, that wasn't Harada Parra, was it? No. Oh, was that seventeen or was that fifteen? Well, they, yeah, I think it was fifteen. 15. Yeah. Um. Oh, I I remember who it was. He. Uh. Okay. I'm looking at his name. <laughs> all right. Hang on a second. Uh. All right. Uh. Scope. Uh. Yes. Jonathan Scope batting third, playing second base. Manny was batting second. Hardy. J.J. Hardy was not playing shortstop on this evening. Oh, I might never get who it was then. <laughs> um, Adam Jones. Yes, Adam Jones batting fourth, playing center. A couple of base hits. Mm-hmm. Mancini. Yes, Trey Mancini batting fifth. How about... Playing first base. How about... Oh, I still... I was going to say Chris Davis, but now if Mancini yeah, was yeah, playing no first Chris base... No Chris Davis in yeah. this lineup. Uh, Mark Trumbo. Yep, Trumbo batting sixth. The designated hitter also hit a home run earlier in this night. 
JJ, did I say JJ Hardy? You did say JJ Hardy. He, he, he was either an off right. day. So I've I got, forget what this. Oh, and he didn't play. Is. That's the yeah. reason why I didn't put him on the list. All right, so I've got five. Yes, you do have uh, five. Hyunsu Kim. No, no Hyunsu Kim in this one. Uh, Caleb Joseph. Yes, behind the plate, Caleb Joseph also hit a home run in this game. Caleb Joseph batting eighth. So I got six. Yes, you do. Six of the starting. How about uh, the delicious eyes of Joey Rickard? No, Joey Rickard not, not in the game. Not, not in the game. Well, they should have been. Maybe, maybe. Those eyes. Um, man, was that the Seth Smith season? It was a Seth Miss Seth Smith season. He was not starting though. He pinch hit in uh, in the ninth inning, and uh, got a, and got a pinch hit walk. Then he was How pinched. about Ryan Flaherty? Ryan Flaherty came on a pinch run for Seth Smith, not in the starting lineup. Okay, uh, how about... Oh, God. Missing a left fielder. We're missing left the fielder. shortstop and the right fielder. Left field, shortstop, and right field. Left field, shortstop. Left field, shortstop. Uh, well, the, so one of the outfielders, uh, he's still on the team today. One of the outfielders. And he'll he'll still probably be starting tonight. On the team today and is starting tonight. Likely. I mean, we don't see the lineup, but likely he'll, he's been in the lineup every single day. Santander? Yes, Anthony Santander. He hit a, or he had one one hit. It's tough for me to do the math on when Santander got here. Apparently it's 2017 at the the latest. Uh, Right field, you say? He was playing, Santander was playing right field, so we need a left fielder and our shortstop. Left fielder and a shortstop. The shortstop was. Let's see if he's still in the league. The shortstop was. I'm trying to go through all the shortstops. I'm trying to go through the Iglesias's and the. Uh, Beckham? Was yep. it Tim Beckham? Tim Beckham, batting leadoff. Had two hits, scored a couple of runs on those Manny home runs. And then the. And he led off. The right fielder was. The left fielder batting left ninth. Left fielder was. Just tell me because it was Craig Gentry. Gentry, Craig Gentry. Craig Gentry. You're very bad with names. You're very, very bad with names. I, Gentry, I, I, yes. I mean, the point gets across every time. And who no, was no, the, no, start, no, who no. Was the starting no, no, no. pitcher? You're doing this. Starting for, pitcher. Stop, stop, stop. You're supposed to be a broadcaster now. You're right. You're it right. does not work that way. Stop. Okay? Get names right. All right. I feel bad when I get names wrong. I don't know, but it's not. I don't try to confidently say it's okay. Like, we just try to get it right. What was it? Starting pitcher? I don't know. Uh, it was Ubaldo. No, it was not. It was, was um, I'm trying to think of a <laughs> Gosman. How he got here. Was um, let's see. He was with yeah, he started with Tampa and then he moved around a lot. Started with Tampa and moved around a lot. I don't I don't know. Just tell me. Jeremy Hellickson. Oh, I forgot Jeremy Hellickson was on I I definitely forgot about Jeremy Hellickson <laughs> yeah. for sure. Richard for Blyer sure made an appearance out of the Hellickson. bullpen. All right, all right. Very good. Miguel Castro. A couple of trade pieces. <laughs> All right, um, Tubular, brought to you today by the print issue of Pressbox. This is it, the final day. This is it, final day for you to get the um, Salute to Coaches issue of Pressbox with John Harbaugh on the cover. Starting tomorrow, your neighborhood Royal Farms, those hundreds of locations around town, will be personally delivered by Stan the Fan Charles, the new print issue of Pressbox, which features Mark Andrews on the cover. So speak now or forever hold your pee if you want the salute to coaches issue. Go to your neighborhood Royal Farms today. Those hundreds of locations around town where you find press box and get it there. Here's what's coming up 
Tonight, totally tubular-wise, Masson, Orioles, Blue Jays at 7. Dean Kramer, Alec Manoa, the pitching matchup. Masson, 2. Cubs, Nationals at 7. MLB Network, Mariners, Angels at 9.30. TBS, Rays, Yankees at 7. I'm still not – I don't care. I am still not rooting for the Yankees. Stop that. Stop this nonsense. You're like, well, you should be rooting for the Yankees. No, I can acknowledge what's best. We don't want the Rays to get hot, though. I mean, there's – I, I don't care. I'm not okay. rooting right. for the Yankees. I'm not going to feel good. It'd be great if the Angels could help us. If the out. Yankees win, uh, yes, I would accept that. That would I would accept that for sure. NBC Sports Washington tonight. DC United, LAFC at 10:30. Tennis Channel for uh, Western Southern Open includes tonight's Serena Williams. Emma Raducanu is a big mm. one in Cincinnati. The USA Network for WWE NXT at eight. By the way, Francis Tiafo beat M- Matteo Berrettini yesterday. That, yeah. that was a big win for him. Big big win. And uh, a fun one between Andy Murray and Stan Vavrenka, neither of whom is a threat to like do something at this point, but two beloved players and, and great champions, and uh, Andy Murray won that in three sets last night. Cincinnati's a huge tournament on the tennis can- calendar. It is the tune-up for the U.S. Open, so big week on the tennis channel. Some non-sports highlights? Non-sports. We got new episodes of Only Murders in the Building, uh, the penultimate episode of Season 2 here, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, new episode, and Hard Knocks with the Detroit Lions, new episode of that. Also, uh, your boy Bob Odenkirk, he'll be on Kimmel tonight. To promote the thing that happened. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I would guess Somebody so. told me there's going to be a Nobody Part 2. I'm oh. all in for that. That movie was outstanding. Uh, but just be prepared when you tune into Kimmel. It's going to be guest hosted by Al Franken. That's weird. It is weird. Uh, I thought Dezus from Dezus and Miro was Yeah, he did hosting. it last night. They so they're doing a different guest host every night? I think okay. so. That's what they're doing for the week. All right, very good. Thanks today to Jake Mintz. Thanks also to Rex Hoggard. We'll get that up in the greatest hit section of the tab at glenclarkradio.com. Uh, tomorrow, anything? I uh, will be uh, Howard Griffith from uh, Big, Big Ten, Ten Network. Of course, talk Maryland some football. with him. That's it? Uh, okay. For now. we got to step up our game. Gotta, uh, we got to put that into it. we gotta, we got to do a better job. All right. We'll, uh, we'll shift into focus. We'll be like, oh, hello. We'll be like Mike Elias this offseason. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Casa Sin, Great Eights Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Visit Howard County, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to uh, Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexbex Ryan. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. If you are with us on audio, do nothing. If you're with us on video, give us a minute, then hit refresh, or go back to you know YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Simply the Bets is next. And welcome in 
to Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Coming up in a little bit, we will head to the FanDuel Sportsbook. Our buddy Leon Twyman will join us. Find out what's going on this week as they get closer to the start of football season in just a second. Our pal Aaron Oster from VEASAN out in Vegas will give us his five L's for sports betting this week. As again, we're talking baseball. We're talking preseason football. The Ravens covered again in the preseason last week. It's all they ever do. It is remarkable how it continues. And uh, for some people, it was specifically remarkable that they covered by exactly 13 points because I was very nervous about a certain bet that I had made. That old 1 to 13 points in order to get that plus money. I was sweating that out there at the end. Let's head to Vegas. Uh, our buddy Aaron Oster from VEASAN is standing by. What's going on, dude? How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Just, yeah. you know, diving into all the NFL futures and actually planning on making a big run to place a lot of them uh, later this afternoon. Ah, I want to uh, bring something to your attention that uh, was a bet that you suggested earlier in the year. You suggested that everyone should bet under 61 and a yeah. half wins for the Baltimore Orioles. Not ideal. I uh, would just like to remind you that last night the Baltimore Orioles won their 60th game of the season. So you're saying there's still a chance? There, I am saying there's a chance. Uh, you you want to make a you you want to go on an apology tour? Do you want to? I feel like right now you should personally apologize to the listeners, to me, to Griffin, to uh, Jorge Mateo, to uh, Josh Charles, noted Orioles fan. I would like for you to make a formal apology about um, this this which at the moment might be a spectacular loss. Well, luckily. A loss is just a loss. Oh, so I'll start get there. The F but out I of will here apologize. I will apologize to Camden Yards and Kevin Costner and everybody else wait, involved wait, with the Orioles organization. Wait, wait why Kevin Costner? Wait a second. Well, you yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You going that route. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, I did hit two bets last week. Hit the uh, Phillies uh, minus one and a half against the Marlins. They won 4 1. And of course, the obvious one. <laughs> You had the Ravens covering the three and a half against the Titans, but you didn't have the balls that I had where I hit them specifically at one to 13 points and had it all the way, all the Easy. way. Not even a sweat. Definitely not losing my freaking mind when <laughs> Brett Hundley was flinging the ball 40 yards downfield to something called a Raleigh Webb with two and a half minutes left. Was definitely not even a little panicked about that whatsoever. Had it all the way. No problems there. All right, Aaron's got the, his five L's for this week. A local, a long shot, a long term, a, a loser, and a lovable bet for the week. Let's begin. What you looking at locally? Okay, I, I could go to just playing the Ravens against the spread again because you absolutely should. And I probably will, but that won't be my play just because that's boring and, and just kind of put I'm, that down as a... You know what's, what's weird, dude? I'm in a weird place with this one this week because they're playing... Six and a half? And it's in Arizona. Like, yeah. I, I, I know it's still all of the same things we talk about with preseason football, but six and a half on the... When you, yep. you never fly... One of the things about preseason football is like the furthest you, you're going to travel is Carolina. You know, like you're not traveling New yeah, York. Yeah, how did this happen? I still have no idea. I... I 
I don't care enough to actually get to the bottom of it, but I've, I have wondered aloud why this is a thing. And it makes me wonder if they're less inclined to play anyone worth a lick mm-hmm. because you're putting them on a long flight. And, and if anybody's dealing with anything, you know that a long flight is not pleasant for dealing with that, even if you're flying in, you know, pleasant conditions, more pleasant conditions than you or I. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, in a weird way, I think I'm staying away from this one this week. Well, I, I'm, I'm staying away from giving it to you. And I'm, again, it'll be one of those things where I kind of wake up and I'd be like, you know, I, I can't risk missing out. Like, that'll be my full. I hear you. I hear you. My full, full analysis. But what I will say is that um, I, I think I'm going to play the total in this game. Uh, overs in the preseason, 14-3 and three so far. Now, a big reason for that was because there were, for some reason, incredibly deflated lines for the entire first week. Most of the lines were, most of the totals were in the low 30s. And that's completely changed after the uh, books got relatively hammered. I mean, you can't really get hammered in preseason too hard. But uh, obviously, a lot of people, when they play, they play the overs, and, and they got hit a little bit hard this week. Uh, Cardinals coming off a game where they put up 36, uh, and that was with them just punting the fourth quarter, letting Kyler Murray call plays where they went three and out, three drives in a row. So I'm assuming they're not going to do that this week, and that point has been proven. So you know that they have the offense. And by the way, neither Kyler Murray or Colt McCoy played last week, and it wouldn't surprise me now that they're back at home if they play a little more this week. So I expect the Cardinals to put up points. And I think the Ravens, you know, they, they do have a good backup quarterback. They'll have some decent back, uh, quarterback play. And they'll put up enough points, you know, whether they win or they lose, to really keep this one competitive. And I do think this ends up being somewhat of a shootout. The total's 41.5 in this one. I'll take the over, 41.5. Boy, I am, so oppo- I am so, like, morally opposed to playing an over in a preseason football game. <laughs> I am so, it is in my, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to it. I understand the arguments you're making, and it's a national TV game, so for some of these guys, it's a chance for every, all of their friends. This is, like, the last time they'll ever play uh, in an NFL uniform, and, it's a chance mm-hmm. for their friends to see him play because even if you live in Sheboygan, you can watch this game for whatever stupid reason. Um, so I, I, I hear you. I do hear you. I just I don't know. I don't know that I can bring myself to play an over in preseason football. I don't think I can. Let's uh, let's go next. Give me uh, something uh, long term. Give me a futures bet that you're liking for the week. Uh, I am looking at the NFL Coach of the Year market for this Ooh. one, and there's one name that really jumps out to me, and that's uh, Kevin O'Connell. He's 16-1 to 1 right now to win Coach of the Year, and he, he perfectly fits the profile of a Coach of the Year. You have a new coach for a team that's disappointed in recent years, a team with not a lot of major turnovers, so any sort of positive change, will, the credit will go straight to the coach. In, you know, you're not seeing a situation where, well, they also changed the quarterback. Maybe this should be on the quarterback more than the coach. Now, anything that happens with, O'Con- with uh, the Vikings will be credited to O'Connell. Um, and you also look at that. I, I have questions about the Packers. I have questions about the NFC North in general. The Vikings are plus 240 to win the NFC North. And let's face it, if the Vikings win the NFC North, Kevin O'Connell is very likely going to win Coach of the Year. So plus 240 to plus 16 to 1. I also don't think they need necessarily to win, uh, like let's say the Packers are the Packers, and they, they do their thing again. They go, you know, 14-3, and 13-4, and four, and the Vikings end up 11-6, and six, make the wild card. They look good, a three-game improvement from last year. 
I think all of that is a really good recipe for uh, Kevin O'Connell to win Coach of the Year. So at sixteen to one, I think that's a really good bet. I am uh, I'm disappointed because I hadn't looked at these numbers when you brought it up. The guy that that like would be my sneaky bet, as it turns out, is is tied for the favorite. Um, <laughs> Brian Dable, I, I'm telling you, man, like, mm-hmm. somebody's got to win that division. And I know there's a possibility that like Tyrod just sorry that that Daniel Jones stinks so much that they end up playing Tyrod, but in a weird yeah. way. I actually think that might be smart and might be a better chance of getting Brian Dable to the Coach of the Year award. Um, I don't know. I just, I, 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 it's it's such a terrible division. God, it's such an abomination. But um, I don't know. I hear what you're saying with Kevin O'Connell, and there's there's a lot of sense to it. Like the Vikings aren't going to actually do something this season, but you don't. It, it doesn't matter if you if you win enough games. Even if it's kind of fraudulent and just because you got to play the Lions and the Bears um, and so all sure. of a sudden you inflate your win total, you look up and you're like, wow, the, the Vikings went 11-6 and six this year. How did that happen? Um, exactly. You know, like I, I, get, I still would be surprised by it, but I get what you're saying. I, I, I understand everything about that, and I could certainly see Kevin O'Connell doing that. All right, uh, now to uh, something that's – I mean, that was – that's it's kind of a long shot, too, because it's 16 to oh, 1. Oh, no, no, no. I, I have a long All shot right. coming for All you. All right, long shot. What's the underdog bet that you like this week? Um, This is funny because I had written this up. I, I had to wake up uh, really early this morning take my kid to high school, which out Ooh. here starts ridiculously Ooh. early. Ooh. Well, there's no, real, um, there's no real advantage to being home in the summer in Vegas because it's 6,000 degrees outside. Well, and, and that's the other thing. And, and, and you have to do uh, extracurricular activities before school because yeah. it's too hot after yeah, school. Yeah, I believe that. So that's kind of the big thing. But so I started writing this up. And then news came out that actually made me turn it from a strict odds play to there might actually be something to this. Um, Brian Robinson Jr. for the Commanders is all of a sudden getting a lot of buzz. Antonio Gibson just seems like, uh, I kind of want to use the term dumpster fire right now. We know he's had fumble problems in the past. He fumbled in the preseason game, got a little bit of punishment, had to work with some of the uh, third stringers during the, uh, the preseason game. They used that pick on Brian Robinson Jr. And now today, at practice, Antonio Gibson is working with special teams. He's working with the third stringers. Brian Robinson Jr. is getting a lot of work with the starters. And right now, at the FanDuel Sportsbook, Brian Robinson Jr. is 100-1 to to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now, this is, again, this is still a long-shot play. Antonio I, Gibson I, is still I have, around. I have, I have bad news. He's now 60-1. to Oh, you got to be kidding. So there you go. Just come probably coming off of this Antonio Gibson news that the odds have moved. I still he's, like it. He's, he's, moved, watch, he's moved ahead of the likes of uh, Sam Howell and Vilas Jones and Trey McBride, the tight end, and Matt Coral. He is now 60 to 1. I, I still think 60 to 1 is a reasonable play, reasonable play right now. If you, can, if you think that he might. Uh, you know, by week two, week three, actually take over the starter role. If Antonio Gibson might not be a thing, then all of a sudden you're talking about maybe he should be up in that top tier along with maybe not Brees Hall, but with some of the others. I think Damian Priest right now is 25 to one. So you should probably be comparing him more in that range where he should be 25, 20 to one. So yeah, Brian Robinson Jr. I guess that's sixty to one. I liked it way better at a hundred to one. I hear you. But uh, hear for a lo- for a long shot play, I still like it. Uh, by the way, I don't hate Calvin Austin at a hundred to one. For the record, unfortunately, they just don't really have a quarterback in Pittsburgh. Um, I 
I I hear everything you're saying. This is going to go back long to... Long shot. Long fun, shot. Fun, fundamentally, <laughs> I couldn't put my money on a Washington commander. Like, I just fundamentally <laughs> could not do that. Something good happening for the Washington commanders is not a way that Glenn Clark hey, is going they, to spend they, his they, American dollars. They got a defensive rookie of the year a couple of years I, ago. I so it you. can happen. I hear it you. has happened before. I hear you. It's just fundamentally. And not, not to say it's impossible. No, it's not impossible. I'm, I'm with you. It's just, it seems like if in my life I said what I'm not going to do is bet American dollars on good things happening to the Washington football franchise, I would probably be sitting pretty in those decision-making processes. I feel like I would have done well. All right, Aaron Oster is with us from VEASAN out in Vegas. Let's get to a loser no matter what. Do literally anything else. Go sit in a room, lock the door, and torture. Waterboard yourself for a week if that's what it requires to prevent you from being able to go make this bet. What's your loser? Yeah, this is another one that moved uh, this morning, so I don't like calling it a loser as much as I did because it, you know, kind of automatic. Um, I think there's something wrong with the Padres. I think that there's something that's fundamental. Like ever that trade was supposed, you know, juked up all of their their numbers. At one point, they were eleven to one at one book to win the entire World Series. Uh, obviously, they faltered coming faltered coming out of the stretch. They did have a nice weekend in Washington, but everybody has a nice weekend in Washington, so that's not saying much. And then, of course, they got uh, shut out by Sandy Alcantara last night. And I, I I don't know if it's a locker room thing. I don't know if it's uh, what this situation is. There's something broken about the Padres right now. Right now, I, I, and actually, I'll put this as my loser, my official loser. Uh, don't bet the minus 500 for them to make the playoffs. Like, I don't think that should be minus 500. I feel like they probably will make the playoffs, but they're only two games up. And like I said, there's something broken. I, I, they might end up making it, but I would not lay that much right now. If you feel like playing the no, I don't think FanDuel has a no. I know some other books do have a no. I don't think there's horrendous value there in playing the no. Um, unfortunately, you can't do that here. So I'll just say my loser is making the playoffs at minus 500. But if you're thinking about playing them to win the NL at 11-1, to 1, for example, don't do that. By the way, it's actually, do it looks like it's actually minus 550. Yeah. Yeah. I am... Um... I tell you, man, I, I'm I, I'm with you, and it, it does appear like they're cursed or something. You know, what I mean, like it really appears as though it is it, it is an eternal. You're gonna do everything in your power just for more spectacular embarrassment type of thing. Um, I can still see them getting into the playoffs, but I get why you would say don't mm-hmm. make the bet. Like I get why you would say don't make the bet. I still can't figure out what's going on. The utter reluctance to a- acknowledge what's happening with the Orioles. It does not make any sense. Oh, oh, one hundred percent. The the odds difference. I I I certainly think that the Orioles should be plus money to make the playoffs. Like I'm in agreement with that. Yes. But the odds difference plus two fifty plus three hundred, not plus seven hundred. <laughs> and it, by the way, it did bump to five hundred. So I mean, like they okay. are they are starting to move something. But I, it just, it's still not logical. It's the thing that I talked about at the beginning of the year where, like, the, the numbers have just been so drastically off on the Orioles all season long, even before we knew they were any good. Like, they still right. didn't make sense. You're like, what are, what are we doing here? Why are the odds so dramatically off with the Orioles and to have 
They literally have teams that are outside of the playoff picture at essentially even money. Like yep. the, the Twins are essentially at even money, and the White Orioles Sox, are yep. at plus 500. And I'm not telling you that like the Twins shouldn't be ahead because of who they are on paper. Like I get on paper the Twins are better than the Orioles. I understand why their odds would be higher. But even money to plus 500? No. I, I, I agree. I, I've been talking about that one for a week, that I think the Padres, the Padres and the Orioles markets seem very, very off on where they should be. I'd, uh, we are in agreement. We are in agreement about that. I, it does not make sense to me. All right, and what's the one that you say, this is the one you get there by boat, by plane, by, by train, by personal people mover, by whatever you got to do, however you get to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, get there so you can make this bet. What bet do you love this week? Um, there's a particularly juicy uh, baseball matchup tonight as the White Sox take on the Astros. And uh, Dylan Cease and Justin Verlander are on the mound. So kind of a delightful pitching matchup there. I was looking for something to play, and I'm just going to keep this one simple. I'm going to play the no-run first inning at minus 155. Um, all I have to do is really say those two pitchers, but I'll, I'll go a little further into it. Uh, Verlander on the Nerfie, and yes, Nerfie is an official term, 20-1 to 1, uh, this season, and Cease isn't far behind, 18-5. and 5. And Cease has been excellent the first time through the order this year. Uh, batters as a whole hitting 194 against him uh, the first time through. The White Sox, in particular, the guys at the top of their lineup have had almost, or excuse me, the Astros have almost no success against Cease in their career. And, and same for the White Sox against Verlander. A um, little bit of juice, but I think that it, it's honestly not enough juice. I think there's still value there. So give me no runs in the first inning of the Astros and White Sox. At uh, minus 155. All right. Very good. Uh, what's going on with VEASAN? Uh, VEASAN, we're getting you ready for football season. Our college guide is out. Our NFL guide is almost out. So make sure to check that out. Subscribe for an all-access subscription. We have football specials going on right now, and you can check that all out at VEASAN.com. All right. At the AOster on Twitter is how you follow. I appreciate you, pal. We will talk to you next Tuesday. All right, talk to you next week. Hope everyone hits their bets. That's Aaron Oster from VEASAN out in Vegas. Simply the Bets is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. When we come back in, we're going to chat with Leon Twyman, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook. That's next. It is Simply the Bets. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at pressbox sports Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, Flash Fried Pork Belly, with their popular Korean number 2 sauce. And try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com glory days grill great food good sports make the most out of every day in your toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today these are the final days for you to pick up the very special Salute to Coaches issue of Press Box with John Harbaugh on the cover and eight other area high school, college, and pro coaches recognized inside with amazing stories told by the athletes whose lives they've impacted the most. You can find the Salute to Coaches issue for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always read every Press Box print issue at PressBoxOnline.com and coming soon. Our football preview issue, which features Ravens tight end Mark Andrews on the cover and profiles of players from Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me, right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Well, actually, you're listening to Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Again, that is always the place to be for every event. And as we get closer to the start of football season, you make your plans for watching games and hanging out. And I just think you should start thinking about it. I keep trying to remind you, Thursday night games, not on cable any longer. So if you're someone like me who lives in the middle of nowhere where you don't get a good like internet service and you can't trust your smart TV for watching Amazon, you're going to be in a much better place to watch and bet those games on Thursday nights in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Let's head there right now. That's where our friend Leon Twyman, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook, is standing by. Leon, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, good. How are you? I'm all right. Why is it that FanDuel is just so disrespectful to the Baltimore Orioles, right? Like, the Orioles <laughs> are the, the first team outside the playoff picture, and yet they sit at plus 500 to make the playoffs, what the hell is going on with the disrespect from our friends at FanDuel towards the uh, the Baltimore Orioles? You know, honestly, I'm trying to figure it out myself, and 
the, you know, we've talked before about the amount of bets, you know, that I have on that right now, especially from one single player, you know, I would have thought maybe they would have dropped that a lot more and not want to risk that much. (laughs) (laughs) You're saying that one person alone should have maybe, by the way, have you ever, like, have you, have you ever been in a position to watch it? Do you have a story of like taking a bet and then looking up at the board because you knew that that bet was significant enough? It was going to have to change the odds. Oh yeah. I've seen that so many times. Like it's, it's crazy. You know, I've I've looked at it. I've, I've seen someone place a wager. They got it for one set of odds, and you know, a couple seconds later, they're they're done. It's changed. Do, do you <laughs> just like, because of the amount of money? Can you give us like any sort of of context? Like, what is the amount of money that would have to be on a single bet for that bet to be able to change the? I, mean, I guess it, maybe it matters based on what the sport is. Like, if it, I'm guessing that a, a lower money bet on like maybe I don't know a Gaelic football match or something like that might be more impactful because there probably isn't quite as much action coming on it. Can you explain that a little bit for a dumb guy? So it, it just varies. So, you know, we obviously we're backed by a risk and trade team. So they monitor all those numbers. Um, so there's really no set amount. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of what they feel like, you know, they're comfortable with and what might be a potential risk to the company itself. And that's usually like that with most sports books. So if somebody put in a, I don't know, a, a, a $10,000 bet on something, would that be enough that like it would maybe shake the odds a little bit? If it's a future bet, it's quite possible. So okay. if they were, let's, let's go with Dallas because that's my favorite team, and I know uh, you don't like uh, them. So God. I like to bring them up when I'm on here with hey you. Hey, man, hey, look, <laughs> you know, I got, and you know what, I'm so glad you brought it up. As a Cowboys fan, I wanted to say I'm sorry for what's happened to the Yankees recently. I just I know it's, <laughs> it's got to be killing you as a Cowboys fan. To watch your favorite yeah, baseball team uh, suffer like this. Hey, but, yeah, La- it's but Lakers season is coming up soon, <laughs> so don't don't forget. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. So, so for example, you know, if someone were to drop ten thousand dollars on um, Dallas, you know, uh, they were actually eighteen to one. I see now they are twenty to one. So, you know, if they were at twenty to one like they are right now, someone dropped ten thousand on it it's quite possible that it could drop down to 18 and one again. Wow. So, um, you know, again, it just, it just depends on what it is and, and the risk that's, you know, that they're willing to take on that. I'm again, so I guess what you're saying is if it was a game tonight, right? Like if it was the Orioles game tonight, it would need to be a larger number than that in order for the odds to adjust. Yeah. And it probably won't adjust that much to be quite honest with you. Well, I see it more when it comes to future bets. Um, than the actual daily games. So, like, if someone were to come in and drop, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars on the Orioles tonight, it honestly may not change that much at all, all if right. any. All right, I get that. I completely understand that. This is this is this is great stuff. I don't know how this works, so I'm fascinated by. I definitely would be that guy that would take a huge money bet, and I would just be staring at the board, like, I want to see it move. I <laughs> want to watch the number move at that point. Um, uh, how is the crowd for? Uh, I, it was anybody insane enough to bet against the Ravens in a preseason game last Thursday night? So no. So we actually ended up losing money in the sports book. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> I complete. It was like the most sure thing in the history of sports betting. Yes, definitely. And uh, you know, I I looked at the numbers after the night was over, and I'm like, wow, we just got killed. We lost like sixty thousand. So wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my. God, man. Well, I can't help but notice 
that that did impact where the line sits for this week's game as the Ravens are going to Arizona and it is a six and a half point spread after it being three and a half last week. So clearly the um, the uh, the amount of loss last week is playing a role in what's happening as far as the line being set for this week. But they've still won 21 straight and they've covered in 18 of those 21. So I don't know, man. It might be worth doubling down on it this week. It might be <laughs> worth going back to the well. Um, uh, Leon Twyman, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, is with us. I know this is a big week because it is a big UFC fight on Saturday night. Um, for people that aren't aware, what does the FanDuel Sportsbook look like on the night of a big UFC fight like UFC 278 coming up on Saturday? Oh, it's absolutely insane. You definitely want to come in, book your seats early, uh, but get in there, get your bets in because the crowd is wild. You know, you would think that it's another Super Bowl or something because of how crowded it is in there. So, um, you know, like you said, Usman is definitely going to be bringing in a huge crowd, so we definitely want people to make sure that they book those seats. Uh, four to one favorite to uh, – sorry, uh, sorry, let me do the other map. Yes, four to one. That's I, did the, I said that correct, right? A four to one favorite to win the fight, uh, Kamaru Usman. Um, email events at sportssocialmd.com right now in order to reserve your spot. And then you, you told us a little bit about it last week, but for people that haven't heard, if they haven't been in for a little while, already a couple of changes, a couple of things that are a little bit different about how the FanDuel Sportsbook is looking. Yes, uh, we do have some, some kiosks that were moved. Um, so we had an old bowling alley that was cleared out. So that is now a, we call it our kiosk alley. <laughs> yeah. um, but we have some kiosks in there with 13 in there. Uh, we have 61 total. We still have a little bit of construction going on right now um, with a new odds board being put in. That should be completed here in the next two weeks or so. But that's going to look amazing. So the next time you're in there and that's completed, you're going to be like, wow, that looks great. So I'm looking forward to that. But also... We got the official word that bet pads are officially launching the twenty third. Hell yeah! That's so that ooh, one week from today, one week, yes, from, one week today, from today, bet pads are coming. Which goes back to what I keep trying to tell everybody that if I don't know where it is, I don't. If your buddy James has always hosted the fantasy football draft, and his even if his wife is lovely and makes you some like um, you know cocktail weenies or something like that for the fantasy draft, I, I'm sure you have a lovely spot. But I. My God, look at that schedule for week one of college football season. Just look at it and tell me why your life wouldn't be so much better if you were hosting your fantasy football draft in the FanDuel Sportsbook on the first Saturday. Sorry, week one of college football season because week zero kind of stinks. But week one of college football season, (laughs) Labor Day Saturday, you get in there, you can hang out, have your draft, and bet from your ass. Like you can sit there with a bet pad all afternoon, make your bets right there. You don't have to get up until you need to pee. Um, What are we doing with our lives? What are we doing? That's the place to be for your fantasy football draft in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. I can't imagine where else you would want to be again. Email events at sportssocialmd.com. Leon, um, Young Griffin just discovered that you can bet on the first pitch I don't know that everybody else knows this either. You all guys offer so many amazing prop bets for every game. You can bet on the result of the first pitch of any baseball game tonight, correct? That is correct. So, you know, again, this is something also that I just recently discovered as well. 
so, you know, we, I think we said it last week as well. Like there's so many things that come out new and you just finding them. And I'll have a customer come up to me and say, Hey, help me find this. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I don't think we have it. And then we have it. I'm like, wow. (laughs) So you can go, yeah, take any game tonight and click, you know, go to more wagers and then you can bet on the outcome of the first pitch of the game result of the first, and you can actually bet on the outcome of the first pitch in the bottom of the first inning so that either starting pitcher the first pitch they throw whether it's a ball a taken strike a swinging strike um, a single an extra base hit uh, there is an option for any other outcome which I guess would include an error or something along those lines I, it's insane it is insane these types of bets are available, and you can get them in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Uh, taken or swinging strike or foul ball is always the favorite in those situations. So if you think that the first pitch will be out of the zone and a ball, you could stand to make plus money on just about any baseball game tonight. So keep that in mind. Uh, Leon, anything else that we should be aware of this week that people should know about as we are in, itching closer to the start of like actual football season? You know, you can still bet preseason. You know, it sounds crazy, but, hey, you know, sometimes it works out for people. But, you know, it's still still something very popular. I guess everyone's just really just wanting to get that feel of a football wager. So, you know, again, don't be shy about betting those preseason footballs. They're there. I mean, again, we'll take care of it. if you bet the Ravens last week, you would have been in good shape, and a lot of people did. So, We'll see. Yep, and we would have definitely paid it out. <laughs> um, Leon, appreciate you as always, my friend. We will talk to you next Tuesday. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Leon Twyman, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Uh, again, UFC 278 on Saturday night. The place to be is the FanDuel Sportsbook. Email events at sportssocialmd.com right now as Leon's trying to warn you. It's going to be a mob scene. It's going to be nuts. Big fight nights draw huge crowds because the math is very simple. I kept trying, keep trying to explain it to you. You can order a fight. It's going to cost you a bunch of money, and you ain't going to make any. Or, or you can go to the FanDuel Sportsbook, watch the fights for free, and win money. But if you want to guarantee a spot, whether it's a table whether it's a group of reclining chairs, whatever it is, you need to email events at sportssocialmd.com right now to reserve that spot in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland for UFC 278. Yeah, I Saturday. feel very good about my pick this week as well ooh, for the main oh, event. Oh, so. oh Griffin, uh, after after failing us last time out. We're going to come back strong, yeah, I you, promise. You better, or oh, yeah. we might have to revoke your privileges. All right, uh, tidbit of the week. What you got for us? Okay, so uh, Dodgers. Um, since 2020, Dodgers have played 366 baseball games. They have been an underdog in five. It's, I can't. I, if I'm being honest with you, I almost can't believe it's been five. So that is 1.4 percent of the time, and they go into tonight. They will be be the sixth time they've been an underdog in the past three seasons against the Brewers as uh, they're a plus-110 dog. He's pitching for Against Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff, all right. That's the the uh, only reason. And they're two and three in those uh, games that they've been an underdog in. So they're going to get back to uh, 500? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, But I saw that, and I thought I was blown away by that, honestly. I was like, that's... They've got got Pepe on the mound. Stan the fan is in love with that guy. 
Really? <laughs> oh my god, he's been raving about him. Well, he sounds like it, a guy standing. This, this is the next guy. <laughs> this is the. I'm like, all right, buddy. I'm, I believe you. Um, and also more importantly, uh, so since uh the Minions movie came out, ah, this like, is important. I'm yes, sure. Uh, the Dodgers are thirty and five. So, plus what, money tonight. What does that have to do with betting, though? It, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just. Well, okay, you're right. It doesn't have anything. It really to do with has betting, nothing to do with betting a, at all. Oh, <laughs> you just wanted to share that, yeah, yeah. because I did want to share that. Because you probably because it on, exists. You probably so. put on a suit and went and saw Minions. I wish I did. I didn't. Yeah. Actually, I think it's probably still out. I probably. Oh, by the way, I think like three weeks after it had been out, I was at the movie theater to see something else, and there were still, still people. <laughs> there were still young kids in their um, suits outside of. Not uh, a tidbit, but uh, did you see this? So it was uh, Pete Alonso. Buckshaw Walter came in to make a pitching yeah, change. The scratch off. Yeah, the scratch off things. I thought that was really funny. It's not a. What does that have to do with betting? Lottery tickets. What are you doing? Scratch off. Is that it? Is that no, that's you? not it. Um, okay. All right, so uh, betters, uh, they're pretty much already in NFL. Did ever get a form. story on the scratch offs? Like what that I, was. Uh, I did. Couldn't find. It anything. made for great video, did, but yeah. I I just didn't know what. The, I would like I to loved, know more about. I love how short it was, and Buck just looks at him and he's yeah, like, right. and then it cuts. I'd like to know more of the story. <laughs> Someone had a seven leg NFL preseason parlay. Like were they using them to doctor baseball somehow? Got a lot of questions. Good question. Maybe yes. Cameron Maven knows he rubs up a lot of That's right. Balls. Right. He's, he's rubbed a lot of balls. <laughs> Go ahead. Seven leg NFL preseason parlay. They picked the uh, winners and they got every single one long, wrong. That's rough. Uh, but there is still people that do make money um, in preseason. Someone put together a $100 uh, five leg parlay um, and uh, it paid out 8K. They took uh, the Falcons plus two and a half and the over. 34 and a half, at, and they got that at plus money. Browns, uh, they covered their spread, plus one and a half. Cardinals, plus two. Uh, the Jets to win and cover the over, 35 and a half points. Uh, that was plus 250. And then the Niners, minus two and a half. And they won $8,500. So stupid. It's just so stupid. So you could be next. I mean, you could be. I mean, if, <laughs> if you think that you've got preseason football figured out, I really am scared off um, the number. With the Ravens, on the forty-one and a, or, or no, the six and a half. I, mean, I, mean, I can't. I can't. I fundamentally can't bet yeah. overs in the preseason, and uh, then I'm okay. scared off even betting them to cover at six and a half. I gotta, I gotta look into other options that might exist for betting the Ravens. It still wouldn't surprise me if they won. It's yeah, really I mean, funny. I think you have to bet it though. I, until... I, I did my, um, I did my kind of semi-regular hit with my buddy Saran Petro in Kansas City, and he posed the question. He's like, "Why? Why is this a thing?" And I was like, "Saran, I don't know. You know, like." <laughs> John Harbaugh is a good coach and they're well prepared. I'm like doing the, but who knows? Like, and he ran out of theory of his, and I was like, you know what? You might be onto something. His theory was that the Ravens have built the roster that would be good in the preseason. Like that, what they're good at is fourth yeah. fourth round picks and undrafted free agents, and they they build depth better than other teams. The problem being, they don't build top heavy as well as other teams, and so. You don't you don't like their chances of winning the Super Bowl necessarily. You think they're going to be a good team because they're they're deep, and it's why they were able to survive twenty plus injuries and still be an eight win type of team a year ago. But that that night not necessarily win you a Super Bowl, but it's exactly the type of team that if you build would win preseason game after preseason game after preseason game after preseason game after preseason game. So I was like, you know, that's a a team that makes five fourth-round draft picks probably is a team that's going to yeah. be better suited to win preseason games than another one. Um, whereas the other teams are like, yeah, we don't we don't want to do that. We we'd rather have good players that we don't play, and the guys after that can stink. Um, if we if our good players get hurt, we're going to stink, and we'll live with that. And ultimately, you could argue that how how helpful was it for the Ravens to win eight eight games last year? How helpful was it for them to have that depth versus just being bad and maybe having a higher draft pick or something? The moral of the story is. 
add the Ravens to your eight thousand dollar preseason. Parlor. I guess I don't know. I'm I am scared this week. Uh, last one I have is uh, so after Will Zalatoris had a poor first round on Thursday, um, his odds to win dropped all the way to two hundred ten to one. Mm. So someone threw twenty five dollars on him and paid out five thousand dollars. Ooh, yeah. all right. How about that? Nice bet there. Um, uh, as we mentioned, the uh, the main event of USC 278, Usman minus 400, uh, Leon Edwards plus 285 to win straight up. What's the second best fight on this card? Uh, Jose Aldo's fighting. Oh, uh, so yeah. he's, I mean, he's, he, he's basically even money. He's actually not even favored. That's who is this guy? Jose Aldo used to be a champion. I know champion. who Aldo yeah. is. Who's the other guy? Uh, who is he fighting? Marab Divalishvili. Sure. Yes. Sure, um, that name that I got bl- right. I promise. If you say so. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. So. He's just. A, he's. I think he's a Georgian guy. He's on the rise. You know. There's he's favored. These guys from fight. from Eastern Europe. Uh, they they are good at fighting. Okay. So he. Uh-huh. Uh, he. I guess it makes sense. He's a slight favorite against. Uh. You know. Probably. Uh, or what will be a UFC Hall of Famer in Jose Aldo. All right. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. Luke Rockhold comes back against Paulo Costa. That should be an interesting fight. All right. Um. Again, Saturday night, UFC two seventy eight. Thanks to our buddy Aaron Oster. Thanks to Leon Twyman. Thanks to Griffin. Um, We will be back on Thursday for Weekend Bookies to get you ready for the weekend in betting. In the meantime, uh, may the odds be ever in your favor.